Did you have anything you wanted to open the show with? Anything fun? I'm trying to think of something. What was it? Well, I think that I should just be honest mm-hmm. and say how how many years? It's been five that you and Brent have been doing this. You just passed oh, Brent. the fifth year anniversary. I have his picture with me right you here. Do. I know. He's haunting me from behind. I wouldn't say he's haunting. He's not haunting me. It's a lovely face. Look at that. Literally, all I could see over your shoulder was just <laughs> Brent's face being like, I'm smug here. Hey, bitch. I'm here. He's mine. That's what he's saying. I like to believe that I have just played the long con for about five years now. Just you have? Waiting for the opportunity oh. for something to happen. Mm-hmm. To swoop in the show? swoop in. Oh, my God. Wow. And really just give give the listeners what they really want. Damn, the truth comes out. Yeah. Wow. So. It's an unfortunate situation, but Brent will get over it, so. I guess so. You sound like you had a part in it, and I'm really confused now. I'm, I'm worried. I mean, I didn't construct He doesn't, nobody scenario. knows yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's Brent's story to tell, but man, are we teasing it right now? Yeah. But a man who was or was not involved, nobody can prove. Allegedly, nobody she was not can. involved. You nobody can prove facts. nothing. Um, but yeah, Mr. Brent is uh, still out, unfortunately, but we'll have him back hopefully soon. And uh, he can tell his, his story to everybody involved. But uh, in the meantime, my beautiful wife, Amanda, across from me is going to take over his spot. Wow. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm next. No, I can't do this by myself. Well, <laughs> Someone's got to edit I'm it. not taking you out next, but Allison might. Oh, wow. And it becomes or the, Sarah. Uh, Sarah might oh, do it, too. Either way, big podcast coming for us. Yeah. Like or the trifecta Oh my God. me, Sarah, wow. and Allison. You know, now that you mention it, an Amanda, Sarah, Allison show sounds pretty Pretty great. I, I would know. listen to that show. And I'm not trying to leave Brandy out of this situation, but we she all know yeah. she does not want to participate. And in she this. wasn't listening to this anyway, so no. she, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's not looking forward to taking over Brent's spot. Uh, she probably was like, oh, hell no, when that happened, just in case. I mean, to, to ask Brandy to sit down for two and a half hours. That's a lot. And talk. Yeah. About something that. She probably doesn't have a lot of interest in. You gave her some what? Blueberry wine? What was it? Apricot? Honey wine? No, I think, yeah, I think it was like, oh, no, no, no. It was um, grapefruit? Not grapefruit. You gave her some fruit wine that's not normal wine. That's a high (laughs) alcohol. 15% alcohol. And she's good to go. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm not sure, yeah, she really cares to be a part of the show. You know, you just get her lips to go numb and then (laughs) (laughs) everything's fine. But... Recent guests, Allison and Sarah, yes. both, I think, would be a stellar addition to Knocked the show. Knocked it out of the park. I really think, I told you the other day, if I said if you and Allison had a show together, you guys would have more listeners than us after five years, then, then it'd be like five weeks you'd have as many as we did in five And years. I couldn't find it in my heart to just be like, no! It would happen, I know. Yeah. And it sounds way more intriguing than, the, than us two bozos usually. So, yeah. If you want to do it. I know a guy who can edit for you. <laughs> Just saying, I'll, I'll put it out there. Let's make some money finally, you know? Yeah. Let's get some, some talent up in here. Oh, okay. Maybe things will work out better <laughs> okay. for us, you know? Yeah. Which sounds nice. Speaking of talent, I think we should go ahead and jump into this. Uh, so we're doing it. I'm Steven. I'm Amanda. Wow, what a pro. Uh, welcome to Let's Talk About Stuff, where uh, Amanda's apparently kicking Brent out of the show. Uh, he had a little accident, hurt his head. He's gonna. He's getting better slowly, but he's getting there. And uh, everybody, uh, be thinking about him. Send him. Send him nice messages. Uh, share this with your friends so everybody hears it and they can clap like Tinkerbell and and raise Brent back from uh, the brink. You know. 
Oh, I don't think that I know that well. The Tinkerbell thing? Yeah. From the the, uh, Kathy Rigby, Peter Pan, the one where she's like... The live action one? mm Mm-hmm, that we grew up with. It was like always on VHS around us. And you have to clap for Tinkerbell because she's dying. We like you and Chelsea. I thought in general, us as kids, probably around <laughs> okay. that. I thought I'm not the only person, and my sister are the only people. I just, it wasn't like on repeat for me. I said Kathy Rigby, Peter Pan, and you said, oh, the live action one. I figured because you do you know about it. you told me about it. Oh, okay. Well. I was too busy watching Grease for the hundredth time. The live action one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are animated parts to that, so... Maybe that's all you were allowed to watch. I don't know. You had a strict up upbringing compared <laughs> it's to me. Just the, it's just the opening yeah, credits. Even over that's and pretty over bad in Greece, again. I think, right? Yeah. There's still like, I don't know. I feel like it's not just all greasy hair and cars. There's some. There's probably some nips in there. I think probably from start to finish, that movie's not necessarily appropriate for kids. But, but man, is know, it fun we all and catchy. It. Yeah. yeah, right. That is so, what we definitely all watch. Yeah. Grease. Yeah. And it's better sequel, Grease 2. That's right. Everybody agrees with that. Oh Everybody God. watched it. Um, so, yeah, today we are going to end up talking about uh, a, a different topic for us on the show, but it's one that you and I are kind of interested in. We've mm-hmm. been watching this show called Under the Banner of Heaven. Is that right? Yes. Under the Banner of Heaven, based on a book uh, also called Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. And uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, this is a, a, sh- a show on Hulu that just finished airing. It stars Andrew Garfield, um, and it's like a a, a, Mor- a Mormon murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, and yeah, led to various conversations between us uh, because you have an interest in following different religions mm-hmm. and cults, and just kind of learning about all kinds of things. And yeah. Mormonism is is one that you've delved into before. So recently, yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about that. Me but, too. Uh, First, uh, is there anything else? I don't know if you've had any books maybe you wanted to bring up. I don't know if you've finished anything you've read or anything else you've been watching. Any YouTube stuff? Um, what do you got going on? I do love Who YouTube. Who are you? Who am I? Hi. Nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, well, we finished the first like part of Stranger Things. Oh, that's right. The latest ep- uh, season. Mm-hmm. And I know that you talked about that with Christian and Hell his yeah. friend. Um but I, that literally has not left my mind. Yeah, I Except love that. for like when we were watching this show we're going to talk about, but I cannot wait for the next. I know. What is it? Two episodes? Yeah. To come two out? more episodes for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Birthday Ooh. weekend. What up? Where? Big three seven. Hey. Oh, man. <laughs> when you put it that way, it's not as fun. <laughs> um, I think they did a really good job. Yeah. With how many episodes was it? Five or six? There were seven. Oh, okay. Seven yeah. episodes. Like we waited two and a half, three years for yeah. that to come back. And I didn't know how I would feel jumping back into it. I know. It was kind of scary almost, right? Like hopefully it'll work out. And Well, and I think it's also sort of surprising that I like Stranger Things as much as I do because yeah. I'm not like a sci-fi type of person. And there are a lot of things that you watch that maybe I don't. Mm-hmm like to watch um and that i just think is so well done like the 80s nostalgia of it the characters the actors um that i'm able to like suspend some of my i don't know that there's enough of that there that draws me in totally yeah. yeah that's what's cool about it it's uh i feel like in a certain way it's it's like people talk about Game of Thrones, whatever. It's like a crossover hit. Mm-hmm. Like even people that aren't super into sci-fi or 80s sci-fi mm-hmm. specifically, like 
a lot of people will just gravitate towards yeah. it. So um, I'm certainly glad that you do because I think it's just a phenomenal show. It really is. And this season did not disappoint. I I always have faith in the Duffer Brothers for what they're doing. They've never not delivered. But mm-hmm. every time it is still a little, especially after three years, I was like, well, yeah, it just seems so like so long ago. Like you and I had to rewatch the third season just to remember it all. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that was so much fun again, right? And we're like, yeah, the show's great. And then, like, season four rolled through, and you're like, I hope it's still good. And holy shit, it's still good. Well, and it started out totally different than, yeah. like, especially the last season was, like, really, really kind of, like, gross and graphic. Yeah. Um, And then this one was, like, much more supernatural, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... It took me a few episodes to realize, like, how they were going to sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, like, how they were going to bring that together. Yeah. Um, Tie the story in. Yeah, tie the story in. Because I was like, how does this relate to all of the strange things that are happening in Hawkins? How does this relate to, like, Elle and her backstory and whatnot? Yeah. And then it does. It does. And then it wasn't really until, like, the either last episode or the second to last and last episode that you really start to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get why this is. So I'm, I'm excited. So yeah. For the second part, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It sounds yeah. so great. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It was a lot of fun watching this and then talking to Christian about it. He had some fun theories with, with Logan, his friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a good episode too. So do you remember one or I have something I can say? No, I don't remember the last one that I read. So <sighs> Brent is excited about that. Can't, that I can't remember. You the can't last even talk about a book. It's not that I can't. It's a t- gift to him. Okay, so in true Virgo fashion, mm. I have probably like six books that sit on my nightstand, mm-hmm. and I'm. What does that mean in true Virgo fashion? It's just like I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it's it's just that like. I always need something to do, and I always have, like, future plans for things. Okay. And so you got a lot of books going. Mm-hmm. And I like to open a few and start reading them. Like, I started reading Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, let's watch the show, because it was... Mm-hmm. The book itself, I think, delves a lot more into Mormon history. Yeah. And while I'm really interested in that, I have a very, like... Um, mentally exhausting job mm-hmm. that sometimes at night, like I don't have yeah. anything left, and so I like to read more entertaining things than that. Totally. Um, I just started a new Emily Henry book. I've got um a nonfiction book that I started recently. So you have a whole encyclopedia set. You started at A, because <laughs> it just gave you a lot to do, right? <laughs> it's like whenever. <laughs> picked up the texas book that my parents oh my loaned me that's like 1200 pages long and you're like can we give this back it's you are not gonna read this i right don't know now. who wrote that book it's literally called texas <laughs> and it's like texas a history or something but it's it like is so fiction, fucking thick it's like a fiction book that tells yeah. the story of the history of texas and you were just like you can borrow it again if you're gonna get back yeah to it. i just don't think we're gonna pick that up anytime it's not <laughs> yeah. light reading about a state we're not super in love with. We just happen to live here. Like, definitely not currently. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. With you there. Okay. What do you have? What have you read recently? Oh, okay. Well, this is very exciting for me because I had this book, again, 
This is all Brent talk right here. This is for him to recover to. I had this book called, uh, well, I'm going to start all over. It's Benicula. It's not Benicula, but I wish it was. <laughs> I had this book from, from that era, from growing up, that I remember either getting at the library, probably at my elementary school, or or maybe even the Scholastic Book Fair. That's why I like to uh, think of it, at least, mm-hmm. that I found it there. But it is a book called The Dollhouse Murders by Betty Wren Wright. And I, it's one of these books that I kind of, I remembered scaring the shit out of me as a kid, and it stuck with me as like one of my first books that I read and really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Because I, I talk about it on here, too. Uh, Harry Potter was like the first book that I really got into, a book series that got me into reading at all. But I did read a little bit before that, before teachers made me, like, think about everything and, like, try to figure them all out and, like, be like, oh, this is what this author meant. And I, like, made it not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. But before that, when I just enjoyed books, this was one of those that I remembered. And I had kind of remembered only a piece of it, even, like, what it was called or whatever. And I ended up, like, searching it out and finding it. And then... Uh, through this app called Libby that connects to your local uh, library card so you can rent books and audiobooks are free. It's amazing. Uh, I found it on audiobook, so I was listening to it. And the audiobook kind of sucked, to be honest. It was like this woman. It might have been the author, too. I don't know. But it was a woman, and then she would read sort of in the in the children's voices, and it kind of threw me off and stuff. But the book itself uh, was still pretty like good. I, I think if I had been able to read it again, it might have hit me better than nostalgia factor. Yeah, you don't listen to a lot of audio I don't. Books. I'm not sure that I really enjoy it. It's hard for me to focus. Unless it's like somebody who does a really good job or like when it's sort of a memoir or something. Yeah, I like, could see that. Like I could see like Matthew McConaughey's memoir. Like I mm-hmm. want to read that. And he is the one who does the audiobook. Yeah. So that would make sense because you could hear his like his voice. narrative voice yeah, and yeah. his actual voice. And I listened to Seth Rogen's book, Yearbook. Mm-hmm. I, I read it first, with paper copy or whatever, or like digital at least. But then I had the audiobook, and he has like he invites people into it. Like there's yeah, other voices. Yeah, that was even. really interesting. So that was it's like a podcast yeah. voice. It was way more produced. Um, and then we have like a an audiobook for one of the Veronica Mars books and Kristen Bell narrates that one. That one's really cool because in the show she does voiceover and then so in the in the book with her voiceover... It like totally it, makes it sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah. But this one was weird. Uh, I wish I could have read it more. I think it would have been uh, a better nostalgia feel or whatever if I had been able to like really recreate the way that I read it as a kid. But um, it's it's okay. It's it's basically like this: these two little girls go to stay with their aunt and their old grandparents' house. They don't really know much about their family. They know that the aunt is there to kind of, like, pack up the house. Uh, the kids are just staying, like, a few weeks in the summer or something like that. The little sister has some sort of, like, learning disability or something. So she's uh, she's kind of, like, to the other older sister, she's kind of annoying little brat sister. But she also has to help her a lot because she has, like, difficulty mm-hmm. navigating the world. So there's, there's a part of that. But um, they find a dollhouse in the attic that's shaped like it's built to mimic the house that they're in this old like house that her grandparents had had and throughout the story uh there's it's like the dollhouse and there are dolls inside to represent like when they were kids it was like the two girls their aunt and then their mom and mm-hmm. then or and their dad i guess is what it was and then the two grandparents and they find out throughout the story um that their grandparents had been murdered in that house they never they were never told Okay. And one of the girls starts to notice that when she goes in to play with the dollhouse sometimes, the dolls have moved around the house. And so it starts freaking her out, and her aunt keeps, like, blaming her for messing with this. And the closer they get to the info about the murder, they keep start asking the aunt about it, and the aunt is, has a lot of, like, PTSD about it. 
uh, she was like 17. The night they were murdered, she was like at the movies with a friend and got home and found them and then found her little brother in a in a cupboard, the girl's dad. Okay. And he was he survived. Um, but somebody murdered their grandparents and got away with it. And nobody ever found out who. And so you find out throughout the story, spoiler alerts for this children's book that everybody's going to go out to read. <laughs> you find out that the dolls are basically possessed by the ghosts of the grandparents, at least the grandmother. And she's trying to help them solve the murder. But all she can do is move the dolls. So to, they have like, to like figure recreate. it out. So what like, happened? It's like what? she was murdered. It's like the dad was murdered. The grandpa was murdered in his bed. So the doll keeps getting moved to the bed in the position that he died in. So like the aunt keeps freaking out about it because she's like, this is fucked up that you keep like you found out about the murder. And now you're like making the dolls do the murder. And it's really weird. The grandmother was murdered in like their library, their study, their office. So the dolls keeps moving So the doll in. keeps moving in there. And it, like eventually they realize the grandmother's arms, the doll is up on the bookcase and it seems to be that she's like pointing at a certain book. And so at the end of the book, you kind of realize like the aunt has finally told them a little bit about it. She thought she's always suspected her boyfriend at the time who was an alcoholic and didn't get along with her parents and he was older. She always suspected that he murdered them and got away with it, but she had no proof. And he ended up dying of other causes like 10 years later. Um, And so they go, they find out like one time the, the doll is pointing to this book, so they go in the library and they clear out the shelf. They don't know which book it's, she's pointing to, but they clear out the shelf and they find a note in one of the books. And it's it was basically the grandmother saw the killer and knew him and knew she was going to die. So she just wrote a note and shoved it in a book, hoping someone would find it and find out who the killer was. Hmm. And so they open the book after like 25 years of this murder having gone unsolved and they find out it was the gardener of the people. And he was like upset that they weren't paying him more money. So he broke into their house one night and murdered them. Wow. And then he also died of natural causes like somewhere else in the, t- in the meantime or whatever. So it's like this weird, creepy kids book where like there's these little ghost dolls moving around the house and like there's a murder mystery or whatever. And I remember being how, away. Yeah, I was going to say, how was that reading it as an adult versus a child? It's, again, it was hard because the audiobook kind of ruined it a little bit. It was hard to like be as invested in it. I do think it was a cool story. And like it did, it was like one of those early horror things that I remember. I'd kind of forgotten about a little bit, but it always stuck with me a little bit um, as well. And it was kind of fun to revisit it. There's some things that are like when I revisit nostalgia they don't always like sit well or doesn't like it's not as good as it was. This certainly is kind of that case, but I also kind of forgot the story. So it was it was neat to get a little bit of that, at least. And yeah. Remember what it was all about uh, and then how it actually played out. I didn't know exactly what the the solve, the mystery and the and then the solve was. Yeah. The solution was. So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. It was it was interesting. The Dollhouse Murders, Better You're In Right. Everybody go out to buy it. <laughs> You can find it through your local uh, library, your living app through your library. But um, yeah, I'm. It was let me, fun. Let me put it on my list. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm glad I, I revisited it because it was something my youth. I would certainly recommend anybody to do that. That like this is one of the first books I remember reading. You know, so that's. I cool. mean, I still think you should read Benicula. I know. I know Benicula. Okay. It's Brent. It's it's, it's Brent who Brent. refused to even acknowledge that it really well, exists. Well, he refuses to acknowledge that books exist. That's so. true. I think that Benicula is a wonderful book. I don't remember the last time we revisited that one. We bought it for Brent years ago to prove to him it was real. I'm pretty sure it is on our bookshelf. It might be right yeah. now. Yeah, behind yeah. us. 
Um, but I would reread that one for sure. That another one is another one that's like a fun sort of horror esque. Yeah. Kids book, you know. Everybody loves a vampire bunny. Exactly. Yeah. <gasps> Straight. Oh, we should give it to Aurora when she gets Ooh, older. Ooh, I love that. She loves bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> well, she be she'd be like, of- wait, are my bunnies all vampires? <laughs> She's not scared about creepy things. She's not. Her yeah. favorite book is is Herschel and the Goblins. Yeah. <laughs> Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. Yeah. Which is a, a really cool book about uh, Hanukkah goblins that it's like a guy set out to make a, a Christmas carol. That's what it says in the beginning. He wanted to like make a, a, a Jewish version of a, a Christmas carol, like type of story. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's like this guy who, who tricks all these goblins into letting him light the menorah and all this stuff. And, and it's, uh, it's pretty great. But it has these weird fucking goblins in it with like three the eyes. The illustrations and... are extremely yes. creepy. I'm like, she loves this book. She I don't loves know. that book. She also loves carrying around her princess witches that oh, are, yeah. unfortunately, like they're, they're, um, what is the what is the movie? Wizard of Oz. They're Wizard of Oz themed, mm-hmm. but um, they're they're a little creepy. They're not as creepy as the other ones were. No, this the is set. true. This was McDonald's toys. My parents got her from a long time ago. Yes, that. Uh, but she freaking loves them. She loves the princess witches, as we called it. Yeah, Glinda. She and loves Alphaba mm-hmm. and Nessa Rose. Yeah, she's not creeped out by them at all. No, yeah, she's not creeped out. Yeah, she loves spiders. She has she little spiders, spiders outside. She, Big spiders. We watched the Nightmare Before Christmas with her, and she oh, was she like loved obsessed it. with Jack. That's right. I'm just like, okay, well, she's just like a little creepy girl. Right. Like she and Christian <laughs> will get along so great. That's right, man. Yeah. I feel like it's now it's me is the connection which I really really like but it's not they both kind of gravitated towards that on their own in a lot of ways her especially yeah i certainly had nothing to do with aurora's love of spiders she just loves spiders spiders can go to hell (laughs) (laughs) well um that's pretty much all i had for many topics today and i think you did as well right you know, I didn't really think a lot about the mini topics because to. I'm like really it's just all about the main excited thing. about the main thing, you know? It's all so. about that. Yeah. All right, let's jump into that. So okay. today we are doing Under the Banner of Heaven. Again, this was a Hulu show that just uh, just finished airing, I think, on the 2nd. Um, it premiered April 28th and then ended on June 2nd was the last episode. There are, what was it, seven episodes? I think, yeah. And so it's pretty it's pretty fast for that. Like, or not fast, it's um, shorter than other series, but they're, they're all like an hour or an hour plus. The mm-hmm. last episode's like an hour and a half. I felt like each of them, every episode, though, felt like a full movie. There's a lot packed in there. They felt like we did it like one a night pretty much watching it. I think that was way... Like the right way to do it, it was uh, it would be mm-hmm. way too much otherwise. Um, a lot of lot of drama packed in there, a lot of stuff to unpack. And it's also one of those shows that you really have to pay attention to. Like I, for sure, I'm a born multitasker. I it's, oh yeah, it's super very, good at it. It's very hard for me to watch <laughs> things without like painting my nails or being on Instagram yeah. or like planning something, like making a list for something. Yeah. Or, um, but you can't do that with this show because of the way that they tell the story. Mm-hmm. So involved. It's told in so many different ways and sort of interwoven. And it's like, it's a detective story. It's a historical story. It's like a bunch of different flashbacks. Yeah. It's also like, sometimes I think that like there's flashbacks that happen that are through the view of the detective as he's like figuring things out. Yeah. And so sometimes you're like, is that a true flashback or is this him like 
building the narrative and filling in the blanks. Or where does the flashback fall in the timeline? That happens a lot where you, as a detective, he's getting info, but he doesn't really know when things happened versus other events. Right. And so we don't, and they play out, and you're like, that's weird, that character's being stranger here. And then you realize, like, oh, what was before this thing? And after this other thing, and you realize, like, oh, it makes total sense. Yeah, the timeline is kind of ambiguous throughout, like, as they're telling things. And you start to piece it together, but there's still stuff that I'm like, when exactly did that come into play? Like, I don't feel like I had a good time frame of, like, was this years ago? Was this, like, six months before? Was, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I would say, too, blanket spoilers for all of this uh, going forward. We'll talk about a lot of the events of the show. Um, So this was created by Dustin Lance Black, based on the book Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. I was looking him up. um, He also wrote Into the Wild. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Christopher McCandless book. Uh, about his life um so i'm like he I, i'm just curious about this author now more I, i've never read any of his stuff but i'm certainly curious to read this book of his after watching the tv show and uh just see what else how it's presented and, and everything with that but he seems really interesting and then uh, it's got a lot of good people in it so andrew garfield as detective jeb Pyrie is the main character investigating this um this murder so the idea basically as as the show starts is there's been a, a woman and her baby, her 18-month-old baby, had been murdered. And you're trying to figure out who done it. You you find out at the very beginning that her the the husband comes back all bloody. He'd been like he'd found them at least, and then says he kind of ran away and comes back. So they have him in custody. But then they're they start with him and then kind of unravel a lot of the story, and you realize that they're all in the LDS church, they're all Mormon, um like families like going way back. He has like four brothers, I think there's like five of them total. And it delves into a lot of the brothers. So the the main guy uh, that we meet is Bill Howell as Alan Lafferty. He's the the husband of the woman murdered. The woman murdered is Daisy Edgar Jones as Brenda Lafferty. Who's fantastic. She is so fucking good in this. Yeah. They're all good. He was Bill uh, Billy Howell was also gut wrenching at watching a, a husband who's lost a wife, you know, and not really even know if he if he done it the whole time, but well, not really thinking he did. It's like that. It's the the unraveling of the case and the grief of losing his family, like his wife and his daughter, but also the the loss of his relationship with his brothers. Yeah. And also I think the unraveling of like there's some really strange dynamics at play in that family. Yeah. Um and I think that there's an element of him that even though he suspects who did it, mm-hmm. He also has been sort of raised to protect and to, yeah. you know. The the Mormon faith, certainly those people in the show, they talk about it. They, they circle the wagons. You know, they're, they're afraid of past government or outside group, uh, you know, groups looking in on them and judging them and doing bad things to them or whatever. And so they, they circle around each other and, and for good or, or bad. And that plays out in a lot of ways in this. Um, I think we should probably do like a blanket disclaimer mm-hmm. um, before we get too far into it that the show tells like specific narratives, right? Like a lot of the show delves into it's set in 1984. So we're talking about an LDS church based in the 80s. And we're talking about, like, mainstream Mormonism, which is reflected in the detective 
that is trying to solve this case and then surrounding the Lafferty family that is, um, I would say, grew up sort of mainstream Mormon, but there's definitely some, like, weird things with the father that is, like, portrayed, and then the, I would say probably two of the brothers mostly yeah. are leading the charge towards a more fundamentalist, like originalist view of Mormonism throughout. And that is what sort of leads a lot of the story. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that that is a hard reflection for current Mormonism um, or LDS. I know that that's like a hot bump button topic of how you call them Mm -hmm. Mm. um but i think that there are probably a lot of people who would watch the show who are practicing members that would have a lot of objections to the show that i think that we'll get into Mm -hmm. um but some of the generalities that we make in the podcast will be specifically about this family about the narrative that the show tells and it's not necessarily reflection of the religion of, as a whole that's true that's a good disclaimer um i know you watch a lot of youtube personalities and stuff that have been part of the church and then um this is like a, a big church and like we're again at the show we we like brent and i are not religious you're not super religious either but you mm-hmm. have your own views of course amanda and we don't uh, everybody can have their own viewpoints but i i do feel like a lot of the viewpoints that i've come across in religions have been um, detrimental viewpoints to the world or yeah. something like that. I feel like that is important to still call things out that are strange or that people should question. Oh, for sure. Um, but certainly, yeah, everybody can have their own path or whatever. And, uh, but uh, yeah, this one would certainly, this show would, would certainly upset anybody that follows that faith. I think that, faithfully. I think that part of the interesting conversation that we can have around this, once we sort of like set out what the show is about and like our thoughts on how it was filmed and the actors and whatever is that you and I definitely come from two different like uh, religious upbringings. Mm -hmm. And I think that that um, created sort of our personalities and our perspectives of how we see the world and whatnot. And it would be interesting for us to have conversations about why we feel the things that we do and, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's get into that. In a little, a little bit, bit late. yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to finish up the cast list. Oh, and I should say too, like you, you had said this is like the narrative of the book and the movie or the of the show, but and there is it obviously is a um, there are like even Detective Jeb Pyrie, Andrew Garfield's character, you would read that is not he's not really like a real person. No, he's like he's a narrative tool. Yeah, like there was a whole team of detectives, whatever. He's he's kind of one, so he has a, a whole path about his religion and dealing with his faith and struggling with that during this case. Um, but it's all made up, right? Like it's all just about him essentially. Like, but the rest of it is based on a true story. Like we haven't really touched on that so much. Like the book itself is, this has all really happened. Um, not every little piece of it, but the, the murder by these brothers happened and blah, blah, blah. In the eighties, a woman and her child were murdered and it was done by these brothers, like spoiler alert, but that's what it is. Like these brothers are responsible for her death and it is very much tied to sort of patriarchal things that happen within their religion. Um, And there was an investigation and these brothers did get arrested for this and charged. So this is all based in 
yeah, fact. Which but is crazy. There are definitely um, creative liberties taken with the show yeah. that I think also extends beyond the book. Like neither of us have read it. I started I it, but mm. I think that the book, um, like, I don't think that the Jeb Pyre character exists in the book. Yeah. Um, but man, he's such a good character though. He is, yeah. <laughs> in the TV show. And Sam Worthington is yeah. fantastic. He is yeah. his like detective counterpart, right? No. Sam not, I'm sorry, not Sam Worthington. Uh, Gil Birmingham. Gil Birmingham. Yeah. So he plays detective Bill Taba. He's like a native American detective in this. who's not part of the LDS church. So he is such an interesting juxtaposition against Pyre the main detective and being a part of the LDS church and how that affects the whole um, case, whatever he's the investigation. You know, the investigation and the church tries to step in a lot and they try to sway him and make sure he doesn't like reveal things. And, and he's dealing with his own faith. And then Taba, his, uh, his partner is, is such a great um, straight man to that, you know, not be a part of it at all. And be like, just go with the facts. Yeah. Follow you know? the facts. I he's think he, so good at it. I also think he's, they have a, a friendship and a true partnership yeah. in solving crimes. And I think that he is emotionally aware of the toll that the case takes on the main detective. Yeah. And he does what he can to sort of give him perspective throughout. And then also sort of try to temper some things with, Detective Pyre, mm-hmm. where he'll be like, go home, get sleep, you know, like, yeah, it's so uh, it's something that is so emotionally involved for the main detective. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we'll talk about, it really challenges his belief in his faith and yeah. all of those things at that. I think that he was a great counterpart. That, oh, yeah. that character was a great counterpart. Yeah, he was fascinating to watch. You know, the, the two of them together were really good. They had that. I don't know. There's a certain style of TV show or movie like detectives that are, you know, not the same, but they work well together. Mm -hmm. And I just really like to see that that type of friendship develop and partnership. And they both care about each other so much. And you see those little bits and pieces as they grow. I also think uh, that what is um, Birmingham's character's name? Uh, Bill Taba. Bill Taba. Taba. I think he was an important character for like the narrative direction of the show too, because as somebody who is not part of the Mormon faith and doesn't understand the like intricacies of that, he was sort of like a reflection as the viewer. Yeah. Anybody uh, not Mormon watching it. Yeah. Right. Of being like, there would be times that he'd be like, all right, you got to explain this to me. Right. Or he would try to sort of parse out like the, religion aspect of it versus the faith aspect or sorry the religion versus the fact as- mm-hmm. aspect and um it was interesting because they would have conversations where Pyrie would say sometimes they're one and the same right like the facts and the religion overlap so much mm-hmm. within this that he's like i can't take them apart because mormonism is like every part of a Mormon's life, right? Yeah. It's your job. It's your community. It's your faith. It's your family. It's it led a lot of why the brothers were doing what they were doing. So right. It almost needed somebody. And it almost needed both of them. And I'm not sure. Again, it's a amalgamation of like the team that was involved, or whatever. But uh, it's almost like you needed the outsider skeptic, and you needed the insider to know yeah. to go to understand what happened. Right. Um. Yeah. So uh, to finish out the cast. 
Sam Worthington is Ron Lafferty. He's the eldest brother of the Lafferty's. Um, he was really good. Wyatt Russell as Dan Lafferty also was phenomenal. Um, very scary role and, yeah, very interesting for him because uh, I like him in a lot of stuff. But generally, he seems like a really cool dude, and this one he's a really, like, high-strung dude, uh, if anything. He's, like, um, a charismatic sociopath, I think <laughs> is go, probably yeah. the best. Like, there were times that you're just, like, he believes this. Yeah. And he is, like, he would smile while saying the most, like, gruesome stuff. Yeah. And it was terrifying, but also you're like, well, if you grew up in this and you believed it, you could see how he could be, um, I don't know, uh, convincing to Mm -hmm. his brothers, to people within their circle, right? Yeah, because it's really interesting how they start off as just kind of normal family. Like they they talk about them as the JF, of the Kennedys of of Utah, that they're like their family is well regarded and then the the fact that they fall so far from that into these fundamentalist views of like the polygamy from from the very beginning of the church in various ways and there was so much that i learned about the prophets and the different stuff they went through and they do a lot of history dives they they juxtapose those against each other as well mm-hmm. um like modern times versus the olden times and that was really fascinating i didn't realize the show was going to do that and i wonder how much the book kind of goes into that too i guess yeah yeah but um okay and then uh chloe peary as matilda lafferty she's one of the wives she's dan's wife she was really good um uh, let's see seth numbrich is robin lafferty one of the brothers um let's i thought he was um really good in that role yeah yeah um rory culkin as samuel lafferty that shit oh crazy. my god he's crazy uh yeah he was he's kind of the brother that's like gung-ho to follow along and he gets really into it real fast but he didn't have as many as his own beliefs it seemed he just goes with the what they say but that leads him to even be even crazier in some ways i think he was like one of the younger brothers and i saw yeah. it a lot in that he just really sought the approval of his older brothers and yeah. like really wanted to Let's be part of the fold yeah, um, that's all the cast and I are going to go through. There's there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch, basically a bunch of brothers. Their parents, uh, all the brothers have have wives, uh, or most of them do. Um, so they all kind of play a role. Lots and of stuff. children. A lot of children in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the the entire premise essentially, you know, is they've started out with this murder. There's this heinous scene of a a woman and her baby being killed. Um, they're trying to figure out who done it. They they have the husband in custody. He starts to slowly reveal info about his family and their brothers. It'll jump around in time as, as they find new people. They, it's like they find the brother Robin, and they bring him in for questions, so they get a little more info. And then they find uh, the Rory Culkin brother, like, shacked up in the woods with his family living off the land, and he's gone really off the deep end, and they get him to talk a little bit more. And then um, they play it also with, like, they show Joseph Smith and the creation of the church. They show Brigham Young, who was, like, the second prophet i guess who under mm-hmm. under smith and then he became the next prophet um and some of the the history of, of them and their their uh shaded muddled history of mm-hmm. of this church that's a nice way to put it yeah right mm-hmm. so uh amanda you you've researched a lot of this stuff i say research but you watch a lot of youtube you've read a lot of things online you follow mm-hmm. a lot of people on youtube that have been in the church um so yeah i'm very curious to get your your take on and anything you want to talk about with the show or yeah. or those well i think that like first of all it's interesting the way that they structured the show 
and that there are multiple storylines that happen throughout. The main storyline is the detective um, trying to solve this case and his interaction with his partner and then his you know interrogations of the brothers that he brings in there is the storyline of him with his family like with his wife and his two kids and his mother who oh yeah we they never really her. say if it's alzheimer's it's clearly yeah. dementia she doesn't know what's happening um and he is very much a like active practicing devout mormon yeah. um he's the patriarch of the home uh that sort of informs every part of his life, right? And then there is sort of the flashbacks that we get as the brothers are telling the story or as the detective is figuring parts of the case out. You you flash back to probably early 80s, late 70s of like when Brenda, who is the woman who got murdered, meets the family, mm-hmm. um, they start dating, then they get married. And then there's also flashbacks to, like you had said, the the origins of the yeah. Mormon church. And so all of this is interwoven. And sometimes it gets a bit confusing because you're trying to piece together how all of these parts play together. Um, I think that... I think that it was really well done. There were times that I I wondered as somebody, I'll get into why I know more about Mormonism in a minute, but I, I am curious to know, like you not really having a lot of mm-hmm. background in it, was it hard for you to follow? Did you feel like they did a good job of... Yeah, I think for the most part they did. And then you and I would like break and talk about it. Sometimes like sometimes mm-hmm. we would literally just pause it in the middle of something and I'd be like, what? That's crazy. And you'd be like, that's real. Yeah. Over and over again. And yeah. it's just because to me, like all religions are basically crazy and they all have these contradicting crazy stories and backs, you know, past and, and a lot of stuff that like growing up, I noticed I wasn't in this church, but I was in a similar church. Uh, I like, I didn't really realize until the show how much they, are Christians. Yeah. I really didn't follow that they believe in Jesus Christ. They just also think there's more prophets since then. It's like built on top of the Bible. Yeah. So I didn't know that I would have as much to do with their faith or like have uh, that much in common with them, but I really did in, in certain ways. And there's a lot like in the Bible that I just also ignored or like never read or just didn't care. Like my entire religion was so-called based on this book mm-hmm. that I didn't really even know. And like, so looking back on that and like seeing the struggles of the characters as they're dealing with their faith and everything and in both ways, going the extremes of like fully giving it up or going so far down the rabbit hole that, you know, they would kill for God. Quote, yeah. Quote. Like clearly you that know? wasn't your yeah. upbringing, but it was, it is interesting to see you like know you for however many years I have 21 years. Right. And like, no, you talk about your childhood and whatnot that like from really the time that you can remember like church and jesus were yeah integral parts of your life like, right basically third grade when i moved to another part of town and we were close to that church that my grandparents went to and then we started going like i was pretty young and yeah we didn't talk about it a lot before that but then after that i was raised deeply in it and so i felt really similar to this where my whole life was wrapped up in that and 
you're just told to believe these things and you just do. And then if you ever question it, for one, you're kind of looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And then two, like anything you felt you had known about the world is is now you're abandoning it, but it also feels like it's abandoning you. Right. And uh, they deal with that a lot in this too. Like I, I find this, this really fascinating for me in particular because not only is uh, the Lafferty brother, the, the husband who gets, you know, uh, the te- detectives are questioning him. He talks about them early on that he's like lost his faith, and so that was like a big thing. But over time, you also get Andrew Garfield's character Pyrie losing his faith and like dealing with it at least. Mm-hmm. And um, I did not expect to have so much of a, a connection to that storyline. And I didn't know this. I thought this was gonna be like a murder mystery that kind of revolved around the Mormon Church. And I thought that was gonna be more like they were like messing with the investigation. But the show goes way more into a way bigger scandal or a way bigger like shift in the the ideals of these people mm-hmm. and uh this huge family like spreading out and doing their own things and their, their own research and like figuring out their own new paths that are really scary and um i didn't expect all that like the show was much more was much bigger than i expected you know i think it's important um to say that the creator or the the writer of the screenplay of this is what is it lance black is that his name dustin lance black dustin lance black he's the one who wrote milk the um the movie about harvey milk in um, san francisco he also i think was a big part of um big love the polygamy show yeah um he was raised mormon Oh, and um, he fantastic. He is also gay, and he came mm-hmm. out, I think, in college maybe, and he left the faith. Um, so I think a lot of this is like his reflection on things that he experienced mm. growing up. Man, that's um, way more important than he had than you realize. Um, I also think that you know it's interesting how like he. I think he did a good job in that. You are not Mormon. You didn't grow up Mormon. You are not part of a. You were not part of a religion that if you left, you got essentially shunned or like yeah. that you lost your job, your family, your eternal like family, all of these things, right? Um, but that there are like things that translate to multiple religions. There are feelings. There is loss and grief and whatnot. And he did a good job of transcribing that in that you watched this and you felt you know yeah. a, a kinship to that yep um and it also yeah so go back to your original question yeah i feel like i was able to follow enough of this but it was great to have you there mm-hmm. to answer certain questions or i would certainly want to watch a documentary after this to learn more about it like it, it piqued my interest but also they did a good enough job to show like what the what the modern church is like and what these fundamentalists are like and how the shift between the brothers going between the, you know, down the path or whatever was, was different mm-hmm. for them and, and harsh for the whole community. So I think that um, you've touched on the fact that I have watched a lot, like that I sort of have a curiosity about this religion and mm-hmm. um, sort of went down a rabbit hole with like YouTubers or TikTokers, people who were previously within the LDS church and who have left um, I think a lot of that comes from from two different aspects. I think one, I just have a very curious personality. Um, I really love psychology and what makes people tick and why mm-hmm. people do the things that they do. I also think that I was raised in a Unitarian faith. I had a mother who was Methodist and a father who was Lutheran that had 
their own personal feelings about their upbringing and wanted to do something different when they had children and toured a, a lot of different churches and found the Unitarian faith. And it's a very open religion that is very much about like community and understanding people in all walks of life and, um, and learning about that and yeah. learning about it, uh, from a young age, it was encouraged that I know about other religions and why people, believed the way that they did and to have sort of compassion and curiosity about it rather than being fearful of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in my ninth grade year at church, we specifically learned about different religions every month. And then we would go, if we learned about the Jewish faith, we would go, you know, attend um, a service there, or we would go to a mosque after we learned about Islam, or, you know, we would go to a temple or all of these different things. Um, I also had a friend growing up who was Mormon, Mm -hmm. and she was from a really wonderful, kind, open family. Um, And I think that there were, I knew when I would go over there that things were different, that their family was different they had different beliefs and they had different cultural things i remember like iced tea not being allowed in the house and Mm. coffee not being allowed in the house and i went to church with her several times i went to camp with her and um check it out yeah it was just very very different than any church that i had ever been to but i don't think i had any kind of really thoughts about it but as an adult um I just have had a curiosity to different religions, um, especially when you hear about them in like cultural perspectives. Like I really dove deep into Scientology for a while mm. um, and like the psychology of why people would believe that. Yeah. But I think that like we are part of a Christian country. We grew up in Oklahoma where Christianity was the status quo. And if that wasn't the case, I mean, there would probably be things that I would just be like, would feel the same way about the origins of Christianity in the same way that I do about Scientology, right? I think the thing that really made me curious about Mormonism is that it is based in Christianity. They do Mm -hmm. read the Bible. It's fascinating to me, yeah. The Book of Mormon is sort of on top of that. And I think that like the church stance would be to outsiders that they hold them in equal regard. But I think the truth is that the Book of Mormon is the much more studied mm. book for LDS people. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. Growing up Christian, like I did, it would be like almost like blasphemous to say that there's like a new book yeah. that comes out years later with a new prophet. And watching this show in particular, where they would have they would show the history of it and how the the prophets came to be, which I didn't also understand that I, I knew the names Joseph Smith and I knew Brigham Young because of BYU. Right. I didn't really realize that like they would each be prophets and they would like pass. Like there's been like a bunch of them. There's been like 10 of them or whatever. Mm, let me look it up. There's been more than okay. that. I didn't realize it like passed on to different ones and they also had new views and stuff. Like it all to me, that would have been like so crazy to hear that like to be able to follow someone modern and be like, oh, they're getting the word of God directly. Uh, and my church would have been absurd. The idea know? of there being a living prophet. Yeah. Right. That the, that God continues to speak through and that the views of the church might evolve over time. Yeah. Yes. Rather than there being like 
Jesus, just Jesus, right? It makes sense to me because uh, the way I was raised in it that that's what you follow and that he's the one true God and the only way to heaven and blah, blah, blah. And, and so like thinking about another person would be like a false God to me. But also at the same time, I'm following people that wrote this Bible mm-hmm. who were also prophets or disciples or various things in history. And I'm believing them, quote unquote. Right. And it doesn't feel that so far fetched to believe this next thing. Like, oh, I wanna I want to believe this person is also a vessel from God. Like one of my, my big complaints about Christianity is if God talked to people in burning bushes, why is he not doing that still? Like why would you just totally disappear on us? Right. Why do we have to just go in faith? And then I'm like, well, here's a re- another person who's coming along and saying, I found these books, I found this stuff, I I found I have a direct link to God and like Right. But I also don't believe that. And especially now with my skepticism about all of it, I don't I don't know why I would trust any of them, you know, to that they really were talking to God. Well, and if you think about it, so there have been 17 prophets. Wow, that's crazy. And what's interesting to me is that the prophets, the like um, living prophets are also typically the president of the church. Mm. Um. And then there's like a whole hierarchy underneath them of like, they have a group of apostles. I think there's like 12, there's like two that are the main ones that like serve the Mm. prophet. And then there's 12, I believe that like they're apostles, but they're men. That to me is very strange to think of like what we knew of Christianity is like there were the 12 apostles and that was it. And Mm. we haven't had any other apostles throughout. Um, I also think that it's very interesting. It's like they have these living prophets, but the Mormon church really has uh, resisted change Mm. for a long time. And really the, the times that things happen and change in the church very much has to do with public pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, polygamy was very much about the pressure that the government put on the church. Um, black people being allowed to hold the priesthood, which is essentially like the spiritual rights granted to men, mm-hmm. um, was only granted in like the 70s or 80s yeah in the show they talk about that they just happened Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and all of this like disclaimer all of this is from somebody who's never been a mormon and has really just only researched this right so don't hold me to any like hard facts or whatever but even their stance on lgbtq things Mm -hmm. has only recently sort of started to change because of public pressure. Yeah. Like they were huge in Proposition 8. They funded that hugely in California to keep marriage just men and women. Mm -hmm. And only now are they beginning to, like through BYU and through the church, be like, okay, well, like you can can be gay. We acknowledge Mm -hmm. that you can be gay. Just don't act on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's super simple. Yeah. That's a good good stance, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Way to get to the modern times. <laughs> so we could go and talk about the Mormon church forever and all the beliefs, but I think that mm-hmm. maybe we can I like talking about the show itself and then kind of like the same way that they bring back the history of that mm-hmm. or things that they're dealing with in that in the eighties. 
uh, or the dealing with their faith, whatever. We can certainly yeah. go back to that. Um, I, I'm i certainly curious um, to talk about just the show itself as well. So um, we've talked a lot about the actor. Like almost every actor in there we mentioned, we were like, oh, my God, they're so good. They were so good. Uh, but they really were. Everybody was um, really phenomenal in this. They Some of the best dramatic acting I've seen from a lot of these people, even though I like them in so many things. Like Andrew Garfield is great in almost everything. But holy shit, he is phenomenal in this. Yeah, he was really, really good. And I'm hoping that I th- I hope that the show gets a lot of Emmy yeah. recognition. I think that um, I would be surprised if he didn't get an Emmy nomination. I would really like Gil Birmingham to get one and Wyatt, great. Um, Wyatt Russell, and even like Daisy Edgar Jones. Jones, yeah, she. She is like a main character that doesn't get as much screen time as the others, but she plays such a pivotal role in yeah, what honestly, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost weird watching her throughout the show. She she's a more from she's like from Iowa, I think, in this show. She's from Idaho. Idaho, and she's like her family's more modern. Uh, her dad's a bishop, but he's like he talks about like he drinks or he'll eat chocolate that has caffeine in it, or whatever. And he's like, that's fine. Like we don't have to like not do all these things like the time I think they're are changing, I know? think they're more progressive Mormon yeah. family and so she's bringing that into this family that as at the same time they're kind of moving towards a more fundamentalist thing of like women have no rights and not only that you're going to be a sister wife and blah 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 and, and she is the resistant one to that and kind of helping the other wives be resistant to that so they don't like her and um it, it's like you see these flashbacks of her uh, for I, honestly, for the first few episodes, it's like it didn't click with me until like episode three that I was like, she's the murdered lady. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it because, you know, like she's already dead. And then these are flashbacks. But it's like I almost didn't allow myself to connect it. And then I liked her so much. Yeah. Her her strong will, but her acting as well in it. Um, she was just so good. And I was like, holy shit. Like it made it even more devastating when it kind of really clicked with me. I think that's the hard part about any kind of true crime story. And this is definitely like a, um, what do they say? Like based on or inspired by. Yeah. Like I would say this is probably leans more towards like inspired by because I don't know how like true to the facts of the case it is. But it's hard in any kind of true crime that some of the like the the mystery of it or the sensationalist parts of it are the things that really get the most attention. And sometimes the victims get lost in this story. Right. And I think that the show did a really good job of humanizing her Mm -hmm. and you caring, like, why are we solving this crime? Right. And you got the reminders over and over again of who she was as a person what her role in this family was like you see her you see her just like interacting with her sisters with her daughter um you see the marital troubles she has with her husband and she has a very like human loving side to her that i think gets lost in a lot of true crime stories yeah that's a good point and i it really clicked with me at one point and it was so heart-wrenching to think about her and especially her baby good god um, and they, when they finally get to the moment in the, the final episode where the murder happens and you've like, they've realized who done it and they, they're there like recapping it all. I was so scared of what they were going to show. And even her murder, they, they don't go into a lot of it, which I'm glad it would have been really gut wrenching. 
to watch any more of that. But um, yeah, you certainly care for her. And it, it was almost like, again, like I knew it was her that died, but I'm watching her and I like her so much that I'm like, oh man, I really, I wonder what she did for the rest of her life. And you're like, oh my God, she doesn't have one. Or maybe there's a way that she gets out of this. Yeah, like, like you, you almost know, think, you wonder, you hope. Well, and I think they didn't show like the murder, but they show sort of the interaction and the confrontation right before the murder yeah. happens. And that in itself was gut-wrenching. Yeah. Knowing what happens and just her, she first like begs for her life and is just, you know, and begs for the life of her daughter. Mm-hmm. But then there is a moment that sets in where she's like, realizes that it's going to happen. Yeah. And she's not at peace with it, but she essentially like, Changes from begging for her life to essentially telling the murderers, like, you will pay for this. God sees what you do. Like, you will be cast out into darkness for this. It's almost this just, like, acceptance of what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and this, like, final rebuke of them. Um, And it is such a powerful scene. And it is, and it's, even though I don't believe any of it, in that moment, I want to believe her i want to be like she's going to heaven and gonna live this beautiful life whatever they believe right like, and they will pay that and they will pay sin. that ultimate price like yeah. i want that to be true so bad in that moment for her justice you know and for their damnation so i want to do a little tangent here yeah. and then we'll quickly get back to yeah. but mormons don't believe in heaven and hell in the same way that christians okay. do so this is stuff i don't really know so mormons believe that there are like multiple levels of heaven okay um and based on like club with a vip room yes and the vipist of the rooms oh. <laughs> is people <laughs> people who have been baptized and also um what do they call it? There are temple ordinances that happen. Mm. So the temple is different from the church, right? The temple is like where you go to get married or whatever. Um, there's an endowment ceremony that happens before you get married, which is essentially like making promises within the temple, very sacred promises to God. You covenant with God in multiple ways. Um, and they show some of that stuff. And they do show some of that, but you have to essentially be endowed, um, to get to a certain level of heaven. And then the people who get to this essentially top tier of heaven are those who are baptized, endowed, sealed, meaning married Mm. in the temple, Mm -hmm. um, sealed with their wife and in some cases with their family. Um, and then... They believe, I guess you could call like their version of hell, something called outer darkness, Mm. um, which is where essentially like murders and also people who have known the Mormon faith and disavowed it, Mm -hmm. they will go there. But it is not like our version of what we know as hell of like burning fire and damnation. And do they still believe in Satan? Yes, I believe so, but I think they believe in it in a different... Yeah. Like, I think 
generally yeah i wonder about that one because like that's his pad right it's where he lives (laughs) yeah i don't know the details satan's gotta be he can't be homeless i don't know that he's hanging out in i don't like outer darkness maybe he is everybody i'm just out of darkness um but Hmm. interesting yeah so like for for the woman who died like she is endowed yeah she is sealed so So she's good to go for her she truly believes like she this is temporary like this thing that's about to happen to her is horrific but in the end she will be restored in heaven yeah she will have a perfect body you know perfect home there and that these men who are doing this to her Mm -hmm. that god will see their acts and know it and And they'll be in outer darkness mm -hmm. it's um yeah again i want that for her it's so weird to me to have like different levels that's what makes me think of this like that's what i connect it more with like a scientology or something and not knowing a ton about that either but just like the sort of like pay to play like uh or live your life in a certain way to play and you Mm -hmm. have like like they talk about that the the husband that gets uh, detained for her murder at first he talks about i mean they have flashbacks about him wanting to marry her he's like well i want to i want to be with you all when we go to heaven and stuff like you have he was like i can't just be single and i was like that's so weird to me that that's like a requirement to get to that certain circle or whatever well and my understanding is that for women to get to the top tier of heaven um you have to be sealed in a temple meaning that you have to be your your eternal salvation at the highest point is tied to your patriarch is mm-hmm. tied to your your husband um in the temple i think it just recently changed um if you have like a mormon listener out there i'm sure they're gonna be like i don't know how many mormon listeners we have i just don't know but i think it recently changed but previously like when you took your like covenants in the temple like you submitted to your husband and your husband submitted to god which is similar to the bible but essentially like mormon women get their answers from God through their husband. Mm -hmm. They don't have a direct connection in the same way that a man would to God. Yeah. That makes sense though. Yeah. Right. Submit. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And like, women, do they even have brains? Yeah. You tell me, Amanda. Should they even really be doing anything? (laughs) Yeah. That's part of it too, is I just, uh, that seems so old-fashioned for one, but also so, like, societally damaging to me that I don't want to, like, give any leeway to that sort of talk from a religion, you know? That I'm like, that's so easily to me something to rebuke and be like, your religion's full of shit if you believe that yeah. shit. Right? Like, I just, I don't want to tiptoe around that stuff anymore. Uh, my my upbringing was not so much like the woman takes the back seat, but no. I, my mom is kind of that way, though. Like, the husband is the... The, the man spiritual of, leader. Yeah, the spiritual leader of the household. She would talk about that a lot. You know, like, he he needs to be there to sort of lead the family in prayer and stuff. And she could, whatever. It wasn't like that. But it's... But your mom is... some things close to it, right? Your mom is certainly a very independent, strong-willed woman. And she, and she yeah. can be, right, in that religion yeah. and stuff. But at the same time, she does... Submit to your father. Yeah, and she has, yeah. like, certain viewpoints about how women are, are weaker or... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's weaker or not as smart, but like yeah. some something below men, right? Like she does have some sort of belief to that. I don't think 
it's below. I think that she believes that there's a respect level there, right? Like, yeah. that it's it's respectful to be, like, spiritually submissive in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I would never want to, like, speak for your mom. Um, but I speak for her all the time. <laughs> Stephen Michael Fisher, blah, 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 blah. No, you're going to get a phone it's call. Like- <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, the show does a really good job of... Uh, delving into sort of the patriarchal beliefs of the religion and how those beliefs can cause a lot of harm Mm -hmm. um in families in communities um i think that that is from the people that i listen to still a a big part of the mormon church the Mm -hmm. people who have recently left talk about how um like patriarchal roles in the church are very well established and how um women are very subservient in the church um don't hold a lot of leadership roles if they do it's over specifically leadership over women or children mm-hmm. um and so i think that's something that this creator did a really good job of like talking about the origins of the religion mm-hmm. and how that how people could take that and bastardize it or um twist it to their own needs yeah right yeah it's like um as they're going through the history of that and you see some of the polygamy talks start with joseph smith and then his wife is like i was with you when you found the plates in the desert and transcribed them to the book with you what are you talking about? Like you just have this new revelation about how you need multiple wives now. I'm not going along with that. I'll get multiple husbands and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know, if I also got a revelation, if you do that, then I get to kill you. Like you should be removed from the earth. Yeah. If you take multiple husbands. And then uh, they show Alan, the husband in jail. And he's talking about it at one point, just paraphrasing for him. He says something about, you know, when he looked at the doctrines that they were given from each prophet or like back to the Joseph Smith or the, or each new incarnation or whatever. And he was like, they're, they're just looking back on them. Now they are just the selfish wills of the various men mm-hmm. and that they're fallible men and they weren't prophets to him. Like, cause he's lost his faith and stuff. And I found that so interesting. Cause that's how I look at a lot of it. I'm like, why like the Bible alone? Like, why do we trust this? This is like a 2000 year old book written by who? Like, supposedly we know who that is and it's like then i I mentioned it recently when we were doing our passion of the the christ the el passion of the christ uh that i had gotten a book whenever i got confirmed in the church at like 13 and it had different books it had like extra books in it and i was like what do you mean they're extra books and then i learned like they were all chosen at one point like they're in different orders in other bibles and i'm like this is all made up and the more i looked into it from my own faith the more i thought about how a lot of it is just the the will of men yeah. And why would I believe them any more than any other man? Because a lot of the people in history that I ever have seen that wanted power shouldn't have power. And the people that would do better with it don't go for it. And so, like, there's not a lot that I really want to follow from this ancient doctrine or whatever. And well, that was I, an interesting juxtaposition. I was going to say, I know. think, like, Alan talks about that and, like, that that sort of, like, breaking some of his faith. But it's also what his brothers do. Right. Mm-hmm. They essentially pervert their beliefs yep. 
and they go back to like a, a major storyline in the show is that they some of the brothers go back to beliefs of the original Mormon church that have been disavowed by the existing Mormon church mm-hmm. that deal with um polygamy so having multiple wives and blood atonement which is if somebody has sinned against you essentially spilling their blood for um justice mm-hmm. um and they begin to incorporate those beliefs and they they go on searches for splinter groups that align in yeah. that way but so much of it is to is for their own selfish whims mm-hmm. right is to they just want to fuck more women they is, want is and i, I think and i think that there is a lot of like for one of the husbands like there's revenge that he wants right mm. like um, the main character, Brenda, is responsible for a, a rift between him and his wife because Brenda, uh, the one who gets murdered, who is from a more progressive Mormon family in Idaho, marries into this much more devout Mormon family in Utah. And she, from the beginning, even when they were dating before they mm, were married, yeah, yeah. she resists. She speaks up. She pushes back on things that she doesn't agree with. And I think she she um, airs doubts to the wives mm-hmm. of the brothers, right? And she begins to plant seeds that I think that these husbands do not want in their wives' minds about what their roles could be, about what they can say. Like, she pushes back spiritually on their beliefs, right? And mm-hmm. they essentially are like, put her in her place and are like, it is not a woman's right, right. to question. And I think a lot of where they go and some of the fundamentalist beliefs that they have is to serve their own desires. Yeah. And I think that they cloak it in it being a very like, um, religious right of theirs to justify, like to justify their actions. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, unfortunately we've seen a lot of that throughout history with religion like if you think about the roman crusades you know you think about different things that have happened it's like men have hidden behind religion for a long time to for them to say is why they've done things that they've done i don't know yeah and it's that's what i struggle with so much and why it's hard for me to have just kind of a live and let live attitude towards religion because i feel it's so damaging yeah to our entire world our entire lives for histories for hundreds and thousands of years or whatever like it's uh it's messed with with stuff so much and i usually when i've when i've had the veil removed from my eyes i don't see a lot of love right there i see a lot of war and a lot of hatred of the other and like not liking gay people and not liking black people and like using these as tools to be like, oh, this is the book we had that says we don't need to do these things or we can do these things and like just justifies a lot of bad shit. And it's it seems to be always men as well. Um, and it even like has a, a viewpoint to me now where I'm like the the group that they end up forming, they call it the school of the prophets, where they have these old 
old views they're trying to reenact and have this fundamentalist view. They, they want to take on the government. There's like this whole plot line about not wanting to pay taxes and how the government mm-hmm. is clamping down on people's right to just live their lives. And then, and that's the only reason we even got rid of polygamy and blah, blah, blah. We need to fight against the government. And I'm like, we are living in a, a time right now where like just uh, this weekend while we're recording this podcast, this Sunday, um, a U-Haul truck full of militiamen were, were detained going to a pride parade trying to cause riots. And like, we are living in a time where we, where we see these types of groups get radicalized for all kinds of reasons. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are, quote unquote, Christians. They're they're like religious zealots in, in some ways and, and white supremacists in a lot in America, at least. And it's I see that so much more than I see any of the love or the good things that come from it. I think so. The best Christians I've ever known have been people who don't necessarily participate in a really high demand religion or like one specific church Yeah, that they hold their own spiritual beliefs. And I think that they are able to um, harness like the beliefs of Jesus and the love of Jesus in their everyday lives more so than people who like really abide by very strict doctrine and who are very orthodox in their beliefs. I think that, um, it's hard because I was raised to respect all religions and to to each their own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the hardest part for me is when I think that churches subvert the overarching message, specifically of Jesus, for their own benefit. Um and it is it becomes very detrimental to the people who are in those church or the people that are receiving the hatred or the message of that church um i feel like that's not in line with like how i was brought up mm-hmm. and what i respect right and so it's hard for me to say like okay to each their own when i feel like they're doing true harm to people yeah. so i also I think that um it is hard for me when anybody says that they have like the one true church mm-hmm. they they fervently believe that and that everybody else is wrong because I'm like, well, I've been to all of those churches and all of these people. <laughs> well, I've been there. They believe that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And some more than others or whatever. And I'm like, so you're saying all of these people fervently believe this. They're all wrong except for one. And who is that? Who is it that's wrong or right or yeah. whatever? So I love that. It makes me think of um, Ricky Gervais was on a Stephen Colbert show once, and he was asked about religion. And he portrayed it that way where he's like, if there are a thousand religions and Stephen Colbert is a Christian and Ricky Gervais is an atheist, Stephen Colbert does not believe in 999 religions. Ricky Gervais does not believe in one more. Right. And it's like, when you look at it that way, I, I feel like you're really similar, right? Like, you're like, we also believe all these 999 other people are like crazy, right? Like, they're, they're wrong. Right. I just also believe you're wrong, you know? And uh, I feel like if religions were just their own, if it wasn't religion, if it was spirituality, if right. it was just your relationship with God and you were doing that thing, then that's totally cool. But it gets perverted so easily and it gets mm-hmm. manipulated in these tax exempt institutions teaching people these things that like on the surface could be maybe just OK. And it is a doctrine of, of love and peace. 
but they seem to always get perverted by someone. Yeah. You know, and even like my church, I felt was very full of love and peace. And for the most part, uh, it was it was good. Um, But then it's like when my brother came out as gay and I realized like my my church has had some really weird things to say about gay people. And I had a lot of weird views about gay people growing up. And I realized they were all about church. And then I don't believe those anymore. And I'm like, then I see a hatred there, you know. And so they always seem, even in the best lights, from my experience, they always seem to get perverted. I was going to say, I think that that's one of the things I realized. That our, our different upbringings, how we are different in how we view religion, is mm-hmm. that I am sort of like pretty open-minded and I'm like, as long as you are doing no harm to other people, I don't really care what you believe. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll probably even ask you about it and be like, why do you believe that? Just curious. Tell me yeah. about it. I'm so curious yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. With no judgment. With you, no, you're really good at that. With no judgment. Yeah, yeah. And for the most part, I'm just like, whatever you know and it doesn't play a huge role in my life but if it plays a huge role in somebody else's life that's pretty okay with me as long as you're not doing harm to other people i think that you have been in an experience where you have really believed something for a long time and you defended it a lot and it led a lot of decisions in your life and i think that it also caused you a lot of harm in certain ways but Mm. then after you left it behind you saw how hurtful it was Mm -hmm. in certain ways and i think you still hold on to a lot of anger yeah about that yeah for sure uh and i've talked about that on the podcast before but yeah it's 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 something it's like i i don't want to think about it that much anymore too and it's we've also been doing a lot of talk about it recently for various reasons yeah Uh, but it's because it does surround us a lot, and there are so many, you know, people that do believe around me in the world. But hi, welcome to Religion Talk with Amanda <laughs> and Stephen, with a little bit of pop culture peppered in. Hey, you know this show? It's stuff. Let's talk about stuff. Yeah, that's part of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, there was a, a moment in the show we were both talking about uh, to write down that I even saved a little clip of uh, to play as well because it. We were watching the show last night and. There's seven episodes. We were on episode six, the next to last episode. And there was a moment where Alan Lafferty, the, the husband who's lost his faith, is discussing with Pyrie, the detective who is currently losing his faith, uh, about losing their faith and what that means to them, how they feel about it. And it hit so close to home that it uh, freaked me the fuck out. And I started squirming. You had shivers. I had shivers. I we had to pause the show. I, I had to, like, shake it out legit. It was so close to home that it made me I've never I don't know uh I've ever had writing hit so close to home with anything to me um the writing in the show was phenomenal the the way they portrayed things there was a tension to the show that just held up the entire time we haven't really talked about yet but I wanted to definitely mention uh and there were moments that were so close to home that I didn't expect in this type of show I really thought this was going to be a murder mystery well and without you ever having participated in a Mormon faith. Exactly. Or... I would never have thought I'd been so close to that religion or to someone losing that religion, how similar that would be to mine. But So this is what uh, the, the discussion between uh, Pyrie at first and then Alan Lafferty uh, talking about it. This Alan Lafferty is the husband, the husband. of the woman who was murdered. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know what this, <laughs> who's, who's behind this new voice in my head, but... Um... 
It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty significant distraction, sorry. It's not new, and it's not a distraction either. It's what happens when you're taught your whole life that you need God to guide you. Oh my God. Even now, it fucking, it's so, it's so close to home. I don't know what this is. Who's behind this new voice in my head? It's a pretty significant distraction is what Pyrie says, the detective. And then the husband, Alan, says it's not new. It's not a distraction either. It's what happens when you're taught your whole life that you need God to guide you. It's frightening. Being alone with your own mind. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, that was exactly it. Like uh, when I grew up and I was such a Christian and I would, I would pray about everything. I would pray about food. I would pray about gum. If I wanted a piece of gum, I'd be like, well, I need to pray and make sure this is right. And I was telling you last night about it. And I was like, he, he discusses in the show, Pyrie, about this like feeling of God talking to you and like, how do you know it's God or the feeling that things are right? Like I can, I can picture it. I can remember the feeling but I can't say that it's God anymore. All that basically was, was I put my faith in something. I have a decision in front of me. I, I don't want to make the decision or I don't feel comfortable or I'm just putting it out there like it's just should I have this piece of gum or not? And I put it up to the universe. I put it up to God. And then I feel which one's right. But even in my own, my own life, I realized I was perverting that because sometimes I would just want that piece of gum. And I'd be like, mm, I feel like it right now i definitely have god telling me right behind my shoulder and it's like i do remember those experiences i do remember a feeling i i I was trying to describe it to you last night it's almost like i can picture behind my back like a a star uh uh a a feeling of of a glow uh a A warmth a warmth there's something uh, something telling me this is right but what is you, that? And as you get older, right, and you have to start making bigger decisions, bigger decisions, my own decisions. And you're like, at, at certain points, you're like, okay, well, I'll give that up to God, and I'll I'll feel that I get this answer from God as, and I'll have this peace, yes, about the peace. making the decision. And then you start to lose the faith, and yeah. you start to unravel that, and you are. What are you left with? You're left alone with you. And it's terrifying. You are the one that yeah. has to. Like, it makes me feel whenever they talked about it, like, what is this new voice in my head? It's a distraction. It's like, it's just you. You're trying to guide yourself. And you've, you had abandoned that. Or you were taught your entire life. Like, I was taught since third grade, just pray about it. And that, that robbed me of my own, like, development to figure out how to choose things the right way. Uh, and I don't think my parents weren't like didn't teach me just morals and ethics and stuff, and weren't just telling me Your also. Parents you are know, very good they're people. very good people, and they taught me very well. I think growing up, um, I don't like discount my my childhood or the growing up in the church even. Like I did have good friends there, I learned some good things there. But at the same time, like this hit me so hard that writing because I was like, it's frightening, and it's still to this day can be that way. I've mostly given up on it, but. For a decade after I gave up religion, I still would just kind of find myself starting to pray. And eventually I kind of just told myself that was okay and I can I can put stuff out in the universe. I don't expect an answer now and I haven't ever gotten one back. I don't get those feelings anymore. But you really. sort of release the like, like sometimes the nervous energy it's of like, whatever you're yeah. worrying about or And I think a lot of people do that and talk to the universe or spiritual you know, whatever whatever mm-hmm. their God is, or just put it out there in the universe. 
the secret, you know, but it, there is something about that, just letting it go. That's, that can be maybe healthy, but I still feel it's a remnant of me being unhealthy, not knowing how to deal with it and being like, well, I just have to let this go. I can't even like think about it right now, but it's weird how it still lingers, you know? I think there was an interesting scene in the show um, that has relevance to like how you felt. There is a scene where the two detectives are driving in a car and the um, the Native American detective is essentially prodding Pyrie to like focus on his intuition about what these mm-hmm. he's trying to help him crack the case right oh yeah I know what you're talking about yeah and um and at the same time that they're solving this case the main detective is grappling he has a lot of doubts about his faith because he has learned things through the investigation of this case that he has never come across in the church and he has found evidence that it is true and it really shakes his faith and he makes some comment to the other detective about how do you do this how do you go throughout life without a moral compass because his partner is not religious mm-hmm. and the partner was very offended by that because he's like, what do you mean? How could I not have a moral compass just because I don't have religion? And I feel like that had relevance to you because your moral compass had always been what you thought was spiritually right or, you know, what God was leading you to do. Or if you had strayed from the path or whatever, your moral compass was always tied to repenting getting right with god and then getting back on path right Mm -hmm. and when you lost your faith you lost the biggest tool that you had always guided your life with and you have yeah it's two two ways though because it's uh on the one hand yes again it's the same thing i think i was taught this this is your moral compass sort of thing the bible is will give you the answers praying will give you the answers um, talking with people in the church will give you the answers and um, all that kind of stuff. But I also, I, I like, especially since I've been an atheist, uh, I'm much more resistant to like people saying you need any of that to have a moral compass. Like, and it, it almost is the opposite where I'm like, if you need the Bible to tell you not to rape or murder someone, then like, what are you doing? Like, you should know not to do that. That should be inherent in, a, in being a human. Right. You know? But, uh, so at the same time, I feel like I, again, was robbed of maybe my own faculties to develop the proper response to that, uh, to stimulate in the world and be able to figure out the moral decision, the ethical decision. But I also inherently have some of those things that I had to develop. I already had some of them, and I had to develop them further, I guess. Outside of it. Yeah, yeah. but it does definitely is tied to that. And when you feel like that scene you were talking about where he's like, I would pray about this to know the next thing to do or whatever. And he's like, just look at the fact, you know, the facts, you're a detective, decide what next. And and that's what it's so interesting because he's like there, the the murderers that he's following are so into the church, though, that his knowledge of the church and what that means to be a spiritual man in that church is what's going to lead him to the next step. But he also has to follow his intuition in his own gut. Mm hmm. Uh, and that's such a, an interesting thing. Like his character, even though he's all made up for the show, whatever, it's he was so fascinating to see, you know, kind of walk through that minefield. Yeah, I think that 
the the storyline of him with his family and his wife they hit on some like cultural like milestones that are very important within the mormon church they talk about him being like the patriarch of the family and they have i i assume they're twins the daughters yeah, okay. must be right they are both turning eight and in the mormon church when you are eight is when you get baptized hmm. and um so they show you essentially have to have a meeting with your bishop who is essentially on par with like a pastor or a reverend right um you have an interview with them the family goes in and the the bishop asks questions to whoever is being baptized as to like they know why they're doing this and this is their choice and all of these things right um and you see it play out that he at the same time that this is happening and it's a, it's a huge event in their lives in Mormons lives because it is the first time that your children are essentially making a choice in the church it's a very external um show of Mm -hmm. your family's faith and commitment to the church right it's not just about the children like the children making this choice means that the parents are raising their children correctly right um he is grappling with he's starting to begin to have doubts Mm -hmm. he's putting the doubts that he has he's he's put them up on the shelf which is like a mormon phrase like the church tells you with your doubts put it up on a shelf and that's like Put it there so you can continue your spiritual quest mm. with your doubts. But with the, your ignorance in place. Right. But the problem is the more doubts you put up on the shelf, the heavier the shelf gets, right? And at some point, the shelf will probably break. Hmm. Um, and he begins to experience that. He asks his wife to like delay the kid's baptism, right? Because he's beginning to doubt these things, right? And he essentially says it's because the case is too emotionally tiring yeah. or I honestly didn't exhausting. understand it at that point, but now that you've been talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, that's when he was like already started to lose the faith. Right. Yeah. And then in his conversations with Alan, which is the husband of the woman who's murdered, the he tells him about a book and it's a, a book essentially called like it's like this red book, I guess, that was yeah, we couldn't really see the title of it, though. I didn't, know, I, I didn't know if it was a real book. It is a real book. I looked it up. Um, it's like kind of debunking some of the... Or or not even debunking. It's like telling the real history. Yes. And it's like... It's letters. It's like church history. It's like verifiable fact of things yeah. that happen truly in the church. And he said, like... Essentially, that's what he started reading whenever he had these doubts. And he it's in evidence. It's in evidence yeah. at the police department and the detective takes it home and he takes it into his garage in his car and he starts reading it and you can see that like his mind is just breaking open because he's learning the truth of these things he's never known and if that scene doesn't win andrew garfield an emmy or a nomination at least i don't know what will because the just grief oh yeah that you feel in that moment and then his his wife realizes he's in the car and the interaction that they have that she is essentially like you are not allowed to have this faith crisis right 
and I cannot walk through this with you is gut-wrenching. Well, it's in particular, it's gut-wrenching because, like, to me, like you said, like, I didn't, I wasn't getting excommunicated from my family or the church or whatever. Like, I didn't realize, I knew kind of, but I didn't realize how everything in the church is connected to their lives. They, there's like scenes where they go to the bank to get loans. Like some people in the, in the in the show go to the bank to get loans, and it's with their bishop. It's like they go to deal with the people that they work with. Their communities are filled with these people from their church. All of your friends are Mormon. Everybody your, you your know, your family is Mormon. Your job is tied. Like his, the detective, his police chief is Mormon. Yeah, and he's essentially like putting on like pressure on him to like do your job, but yeah. also like don't screw over the church and like the bishop and the stake president and all of these higher ups in the church come to the police department to put pressure right. on them to be like, we've already had some bad publicity for the church, like essentially make this go away. And there's so much pressure, like to me, it was just my own, again, it, like it was my own faith with God or lack thereof and my decisions and like how my path wound up, whatever. But his, like he, it's so, like you were saying, like you or, or he should earn like an Emmy for that. It's so gut-wrenching and he's so grief-stricken because it's not just his faith, which is huge to him, way bigger than it probably ever was to me. But that's a big thing to to grapple with and lose and give up on. But it's like, it's, it's like he knows, like his wife will leave him. He will lose his kids. He will not talk to his family and friends anymore. He will lose his job. He will probably leave that state. Yeah. Like it he is will his entire life. He will, will start end. his life over. That is cr- incredibly daunting. And it makes so much sense why it's so incredibly hard to leave that church. Well, and, and I want to, I mean, we've spoiled essentially the whole show. So if you've made it this far, what's one more sto- spoiler? Of course. But essentially, the end of the show, like, after they solve the crime or whatever, I wanted to ask you how you felt about it, because it's a bit ambiguous, but um, mm. in terms of his personal faith journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way that I read it was that he is still grappling with his doubts. He's still grappling with his faith. Um. He is not ready to implode his life. There is a piece of him that I think is probably doesn't believe anymore, but I think he is just going to continue to go through the motions. Yeah. And like, he, he will be the patriarch of the family. He'll take the kids to church. He'll pray. He'll do all of these things because the loss of everything in his life is too great for what essentially just like denouncing his faith would do. Yeah. Taba, his partner says something because he, he grew up Paiute native American and he says something about like a, a prayer, I guess that they sang like a, a song, but it's like a prayer and he still sings it and they do that on the show. And then he says something about like, I don't, I still sing that sometimes, but I don't believe in its power anymore. Mm-hmm. It was meant to like protect the, their tribe or something like that. And then they all got massacred or like a lot of them got massacred and he's like, it didn't work. But I still do it. And Pyrie, the uh, Andrew Garfield's character, seems to, after that, take that same kind of stance. Like, he, it shows him praying with his kids and the, he's all holding hands and he's smiling about it. But, like, I don't feel that there's any um, belief behind his, his words or his eyes. But, and that's how I felt as well. Like, I felt a kinship with that, where I, for a long time, for my parents' sake, 
mainly, but uh, for a long time I just went through the motions and acted like it still meant something to me and it didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the journey of like losing the faith and everything. And I do think he's still grappling with it, like you said, but I think he's mostly on the other side. I think he, I don't think he's coming back. You know, I think that's probably it, but he can probably do it for at least a while mm-hmm. and just try to act like it. But they're, that seems so difficult in their faith. Like it's so integral that I don't know how you get around it without actually believing it. I don't, I don't think people would believe you if you didn't really believe it. Yeah. So I wanted to say that I found an interview with the, um, with the guy who did the screenplay for the show mm-hmm. black and, um, he was asked the question about sort of the ambiguity of the ending and his belief. And he said, I thought it wouldn't be realistic for him to say, well, there we go. I've asked so many questions. I no longer believe and I'm out of here. That's not how life works. And it's not how people experience their own loss of faith oftentimes. So I said, well, why don't we leave it in that tenuous place that so many people have to live in? Mm-hmm. Where when when asked, do you believe in God? Are you faithful? Are you Christian? They say, yeah. They waffle because it's a safer answer. It's a space I think a lot of people, if not most people, live in. Where they feel shame around their doubt and they conceal it. There, this is much more interest. This is a much more interesting place to land this series to say, "Hey, you're not alone out there in your doubts, and there may be more people like you out there. Maybe this is a conversation we might need to start having. It's not a clean cut ending, but I feel like it's the most honest ending. Perfect. Yeah. And I feel like an honest ending will resonate more emotionally than something that might feel too Hollywood and cleaned up. Yeah, and I'm not sure that I would even argue that it would be Hollywood if he left. That would be just more than the show needed. Like, it felt appropriate when it did end, mm-hmm. you know, with his faith where it was. Yeah. That it is like a, a dot, dot, dot. It is a dot, know? dot, dot. And I think the speculation that you can have is that from my viewing of the show, the wife very much seemed to want, like, not just somebody who believed, but somebody who fervently believed. Yeah, and she was seems like, to be into it. Yeah. And I think she wants somebody who is, like, the true priesthood holder of the home, right? Mm-hmm. The one who is, like, spiritually leading them and guiding them and whatnot. And I'm like, I don't know how long he could phone that in without her right. just not knowing. Not in that faith. I feel like yeah. you have to be fervent or you not at all. Like it's yeah. part of the, I don't know. Um, and we also, so that that's like kind of his journey where he ends up. But um, the brothers, the actual murder investigation, it's like you, you have these two older brothers that were kind of grappling with being the leader of the family at different points based on their dad handling the the second brother, uh, down the line, the the reins of the family while they were on a mission for a little while. But they kind of uh, have a weird journey that you don't really know who's going to be the killer. You kind of suspect both of them at different points. Um, I also suspected another brother that has mental issues. I thought maybe he did it, you know, to to kind of help them on their journey. It didn't realize what he was really doing. But I'm glad that it didn't end up being the case. Um, and it ends he up just being... He was actually one that really protected yeah. her in the end because... He, what did he call her? Her his like angel. His, his angel. Yeah, she had helped him. She was always very loving to him. Yeah. and helped him, and he brought evidence to the police essentially to help solve the crime. Yeah, and that was really sweet and scary moment when he did because they didn't you didn't know what he was up to or whatever and they didn't but 
Uh, I'm glad that he ended up being... I, I, they never really talked what happens to him. I hope he's taken care of somewhere, but because yeah. um, he was a sweet kid. But uh, So, yeah, you find out it's the, the two oldest brothers, Ron and Dan. Sam Worthington is Ron, and then uh, Wyatt Russell is Dan. And as they go throughout the show, they become more and more crazy. They they go down the rabbit hole. They both get excommunicated from the church. Mm-hmm. Um, they go on very, journeys. Very disturbing reasons why they get excommunicated. Yeah, from we, we haven't the really talked about a whole lot. Of, I don't know how much you want to get into it or not, but uh, the polygamy stuff is one thing. Um, but Dan White Russell's character, he, he had married a woman who had kids, and he's been raising those kids, and they're teenagers now, or like. And he had barely a, teenagers. He had a revelation from God yeah. that he was supposed to take his teenage stepdaughters as sister wives. Yeah, to... which is so fucked up. At the time we watched it, we thought they were his actual kids, which I still hold is a thousand times worse. They were both really bad. I get that he was like raised these kids too, but at first, like I, we were eating, I had to stop eating. I was like, it was so fucking disgusting. Even watching a show that talked about that yeah uh and showed sort of you know him trying to groom them essentially i feel uh, like oh, so fucked up i feel like um i understand like the whole like biological versus like stepchildren like he didn't he is not their like biological dad but i'm like by all accounts he raised them from a I mean, it's very definitely young fucked age up. like he was essentially yeah. their dad yeah, yeah. like I don't know. Like, I don't know that, like, him being the sperm donor really matters in You're this like, instance. You're like, we're splitting hairs yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's pretty bad. It's just fucked up. But the first time, it, when we really thought they were his kids, yeah. I was like, I could throw up right now. It was so, that's so fucking disgusting. And yeah. then, it's like, at least, well, at least it's not his actual, like, blood. I don't know. Like, it, it kind of at least allowed me to watch the rest of the show and not just totally, like, freak out about it. Uh, but the fact that he even tries. And his wife... She ends up kind of, I don't know, she feels like she's always roped into it. She's yeah. further down the other wives, unfortunately, but she does help her, her kids escape. She saves her children. She helps them escape. Um, the fact that she didn't get, like, they didn't show it or whatever, but the fact that she didn't get, like, severely beaten by that. I know, right? Or whatever, I was very surprised by it. Yeah. Or that she didn't pay bigger and she might have. consequences. We just didn't see it. They they couldn't show everything in the show. They had it was already so convoluted the storylines and stuff. Yeah, but. I think this is a it's a if you stuck with us this long, congratulations because this was is a very hard show to like talk about in a linear fashion, mm-hmm. both from the way that the story is told, just the depths of the story, and how like really complicated uh, the Mormon faith is. And then, like, just our personal feelings about mm-hmm. it. Um, but I don't know where I was going with that. See, it happens to everybody. It happens to everybody, <laughs> yeah. Um, there are a couple things I wanted to touch on yeah. before we finish up. Some I mean, final notes, yeah. That'd be some great. final notes. Um, I wanted to say that I had read a few articles after we finished the show um, of people who had both read the book and watched the show mm-hmm. and also like uh the family members i think specifically Brenda's family members and their response to it that i think there were a lot of like creative liberties taken with the show mm-hmm. i think that the investigation didn't play out mm-hmm. in the same way i i think that 
the authorities knew pretty early on who, like, or really suspected who committed this. It wasn't as much of a whodunit as the show puts out. Um, I think there was still, like, a three-week manhunt in locating them. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a scene in the, the show that you sort of briefly alluded to about, like, who of the two brothers was going to be like the patriarch of the family, who was going to be sort of the one, like the true living prophet of these days, like in their perverted minds. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is a scene in the show where that sort of comes to heads. And one of the brothers tries to essentially like resolve that. Kill the other one. Yeah. There can Um, be only one. There can be only one. Mm -hmm. This is a Highlander prequel, of course. (laughs) Some dudes, I thought about that, honestly. Stay tuned next week yeah, whenever right. we talk about Highlander. <laughs> I thought about that when we were watching the show, though, because this took place around, like, 1984, they had said. Mm-hmm. And, okay, Highlander came out in 1986. I don't oh. know if it's based on anything. It's a spiritual sequel. So I thought, I thought for real, though, I was like, are they trying to play out Highlander in their spiritual, like, are they trying to, like, bring this Hollywood culture into, like, their own spirituality? I don't know enough about Highlander to make a good joke here. <laughs> Um, but apparently it didn't happen that way, like before they were caught, but in prison, one of the brothers did try to kill the other brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw one of them tried to kill himself mm-hmm. and they both went to prison. One was, uh, sentenced. To well, death. when he tried to commit suicide, he had like mental issues afterwards yeah. and he had like a bunch of not mistrials, but they kept like. Going to appeals and then being like he wasn't mentally st- uh, able to stand and then yeah. he was and blah, blah, blah. And then one was like sentenced to death but died before I think they both could ended, be killed. I think one got like two life sentences yeah. and one got like a, uh, what do they call death it? Death sentence. A death sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the, there were some people they went in a car with and it was like their testimony. Which one, when they got in the car, who said they killed the baby essentially is, yeah. is what I gathered yeah. Of why he he got the death penalty, which that is that is a whole thing to me that they like go into in the show that there are two essentially people who were in the car. Yeah, when this murder happened, and I assume that that is like you're talking about the testimony yeah, yeah. That, that that truly did happen. Yeah, they're real dudes. Yeah, and to me, the fact that two people could be in a vehicle and watch two people walk into a house and come out covered in blood and not just like report that to the authorities or whatever. Mm. I'm just like, how, I don't know. It's, were they fearful of what uh, would happen? Maybe. To them? Right. Like Is that they, what it was? they didn't seem to know these guys really that well. They're driving around. They go in and kill someone. And they're like, I don't know. Like, why would you think you're safe? You know, I don't know. But they knew that a baby died, right? I don't know. Well, yeah, because they, they said that he, he had said it. So I guess they did know. Okay. Yeah, I don't, that's pretty fucked up. I don't see how you couldn't stand up. I feel like a lot of people, when those situations arise, and I, I don't know, you never know how you would react until you come across anything. Like, say someone's being bullied or beaten or robbed or whatever, and you're like, you want to say you would step in and help that person, but like, what if that person has a gun or a knife? And, like, what do you do? Like, do you know if you're going to be able to step in? I also think, I'd love to think I would. I also think, like, they were portrayed as very young yeah. in that show. And I think that maybe with age you would do more. 
Perhaps. Perhaps. I don't know. I think a lot of people just don't want, they want to just live their lives and they don't, they don't want to believe that the bad shit happens. And that they were. And if it did, like, they, they're like, I just want to ignore it. Yeah. You know, and like, but definitely, like, you don't want to be that person. You want to be the person that's going to help. Like, I can't imagine that I would, I would drive someone somewhere and they come out bloody from a house and I'd be like, totally okay with that. I'm just saying that, like, some. I think people are in shock. I think they might be scared. Mm -hmm. They don't want to get involved or whatever. And they think, like, I just want to play Xbox and not think about it, you know? Right. And unfortunately, that that derailed the case for so long, you know? Right. So the other thing that I was reading um, was there was a, an article, and I think the Salt Lake Tribune, and it interviewed the sister of the woman who died. And it was her talking about, like, what the show got wrong and the the things that they talked about how they portrayed the sister and sort of how hard it was for her to like see all of this in like in a drama again right and it not to be totally accurate and so i guess one of the questions i wanted to ask was like all shows movies that are like based on something inspired by especially when they're like true events like creative liberties are taken right specifically to to tell a narrative or to be more suspenseful or whatever like how do you like how true to the real story do you think those narratives have to be like if you were to research this and then you find like Oh my gosh, like 80% of the show didn't happen the way that they, is that a disservice? Are you still like, well, it's still just like entertainment at some point. Yeah, it's hard for me. Uh, it depends on the show, I guess, sometimes. Sometimes I feel like the uh, the identity of the show or the movie is tied up in the fact that it's true. And when I find out that the, a lot of the aspects that I thought were true or not true, like a lot of the stuff... There's, like, a, another Andrew Garfield movie um, that he's in. I can't remember what it's called right now. He's, like, a a, a war hero type dude. Mm -hmm. And, ah, God, I got to look it up right now. It was, like, a Mel Gibson movie from a few years ago. But um, I had watched it. It was, like, a, an Oscar movie. And so I had gone to see all the Oscar nominees that year. And it's called Hacksaw Ridge from 2016. And it's like a true story about this guy who was a conscientious observer of in the, in World War II. He was his religion prevented him from carrying a weapon, so he refused to uh, carry a weapon into battle. And then he decided, like when they got attacked or when they're in this battle, whatever, he just starts saving all the other guys around him, and he just keeps running into battle and saving other guys. And it's this big moment. He really did this some of the stuff or whatever, but. You watch the movie and you're like, oh, my God, it's crazy how how much he how many times he went back. And then like afterwards, I f and it was all about like this guy really did it. He's a, a war hero. He's a hero for doing this stuff. And he never even carried a gun. And then it was like, well, yeah, he actually saved like one guy in this battle. But they like, they made it seem like he did it like six times. Mm -hmm. And it was so wrapped up. That whole movie was so wrapped up in the the true story of it. That it felt a disservice afterwards for me. Right. This one, even though I knew it was a true story, I almost did approach it as just kind of a, a crime mystery. 
outside of that. And so I didn't put as much stock into the fact that this has got to be completely true. Right. I was even, I even forgot about it sometimes or like when I went back and realized like, oh yeah, it was, it did work out this way. Like they didn't, they didn't make up any of the actual aspects of the story about who did it uh, with those brothers and what happened to them and stuff. But maybe the, how they got there or that their personal conversations are all made up, I assume, you know, like mm-hmm. they, they, the author of the book said he, he interviewed Dan, mm-hmm. the brother Dan. Um, so it should have come from the mouth of him, you know, that that stuff was true, but we haven't read the book yet. We'll see how that changes. But for me, for this one, it was less about the true story aspect. It, it would depend on the, what I found out that was not right. Um, but I don't, I didn't watch this with a view of it being like a documentary Right. And so I feel like it's a fine line, but for me, this one was, was okay. So. Um, this is something like, I don't think that you and I really have talked about a lot, but you know that I like imbibe a lot of true crime, whether it be like podcasts or Netflix shows or whatever. Um, and I am starting to reframe my mind around it in terms of like the entertainment value of it Mm -hmm. because I'm like starting to really think about the fact that it is easy to like I think that women specifically like true crime because it it takes something that is feels very real in our lives and very scary and it like parses it out to us in a way where we can like see like what happened and who done it like who did it like it's solved or whatever in a very like controllable way mm-hmm. um but what i'm realizing is that a lot of the times the victim's story is lost in that and mm-hmm. it's very much about like the person who did it or the gruesome details the gruesome details and whatnot and i'm like none of that should ever be like at our disposal for entertainment. Like we've talked about the school shootings or all the shootings yeah. recently and how it's like, I don't, you're like, I don't even want to know anything about the shooter. It doesn't matter. I want to know their name. I don't want to know. I about want them. them to fade into obscurity. Right. Like, right. And that's so it's, it's so like in your face right now. It's like the uh, ones that are coming out right now and, and school shootings in general. It's like, yeah, I don't want to know these fucking people. It shouldn't be really any different for any kind of murder. Like this was a fucking heinous crime. It should not be entertainment really at all, but I feel like they're for especially for women, but then every one of us, these are scary situations. It helps it portray it in a way that you can learn from mm-hmm. how, how it went down or like to watch out for things. It also is a macabre entertainment. Like we, we like horror that's made up or true because mm-hmm. the world is horrific and sometimes it's cathartic to go through it. I think it's a, a lesson to me in moderating what kind of, like content mm-hmm. I put into myself, right? Like maybe I don't need to watch another Ted Bundy like documentary or whatever because more Ted Lasso, less Ted Bundy. Yes, because <laughs> what ends up happening is that I think the like the people who were his victims or any of these people's victims sort of get lost in it, right? When yeah. you just talk about the perpetration of these crimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was one of the things the sister brought up is, like, she didn't necessarily think that, like, her sister's, like, true personality or true life was told through it. Um, 
but it's hard because I watched it and I was like, I only came away with like positive. I was to say, I loved her sister though. Yeah. Views of Brenda. And so you're like, okay, well, if my like concern is that the victims are lost in this, well, maybe I don't know who the true Brenda was, yeah. but I know positive things about how they portrayed her and they did a very good job in this show of like trying to keep her like front and center, like, Mm -hmm. and going back to like the detectives were very much like, we have to solve this for her, for the child. And like saying that to the siblings that they interviewed on all of that. So it was just something that I was thinking about because I'm like, I don't know. Like, they clearly took creative liberties. Yeah. I, it's so hard for me to think about, I don't know anybody that's, you know, had anybody around them that was murdered and stuff like that. I I don't know how I would react if this was like a big deal in our family that like our, you know, aunt was murdered and in the 80s. And then like now there's a TV show about it and a documentary about it and like a book about it. And like, I don't know what that's like to have your life or your adjacent life you know, put into a, a context like that. Like but, just cut open over and over and over again. Yeah. And like, yeah. would you even attempt to watch this? Sh- I'm surprised she saw anything of it. You know, like I would just ignore it. I would imagine and be like, it's probably not accurate. I don't want to rehash this. I don't want to see what it was like for her in her last moments. That's going to be, you know, traumatizing to me or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it is a fine line. And it, I think it's definitely a worthy conversation of like what you're ingesting, and why mm-hmm. and uh being cognizant of that but at the end of the day it is a fascinating thing that again i think it's like the world is horrific and sometimes we watch some horror to help us deal with that and you know hopefully not become that victim eventually or like again like it might help you mm-hmm. not in this case really like this is such a a messed up family that you know uh, I don't know, there's, like, a whole lot of lessons for the general person. But, like, if you watch, like, a murder mystery about, like, locking your doors or whatever, like, you know, for, like, in serial killers and stuff, it's, like, you can learn some lessons there. And then this one, it's it's just another tale of, you know, yeah. something that was horrific. I think what her biggest uh, complaint was that she always viewed, the sister always viewed this as, like, a domestic abuse, like, or a family mm. Um, crime that happened that was like wrapped in religious religiousosity. Like she always saw it as just like a revenge thing mm. by one of the like both of the brothers. Not so much about like delving so deep into like mm-hmm. their like going to the fundamentalist beliefs. She was just like they were just religious, but they were like mad at her for reporting them to the church. Yeah. And so they, like, just wanted to revenge kill her. her, And, like, she's like, that's the story. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's hard to contradict her. I don't, uh, I don't know the real details, and I wasn't there or whatever. But uh, it seems more compelling in the show. And maybe that's why they go that route. But also, the crime is, like, that makes sense for killing the sister, killing the, the mom. But, but why, why the, the baby? baby? And why so badly? Well, and in the show or like I saw it as that they were like that they felt like the baby would grow up like if 
if Brenda was the mom and she had those views, like, in their mind that that child could also grow up to challenge them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that In the show, that's what I'm saying. Like, that makes total sense yeah. of why they did it. Yeah. It makes sense in a, this, they're gone in this fucking crazy rabbit hole and making up their own religion at this point. You know, like, they're making up that they're prophets and receiving the word from God to remove these people from the earth. Uh, and so it's all fucked up, but that doesn't, like, it wouldn't have explained it if they were just, like, a domestic issue and they were mad that blah, 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 blah. Like, it, it almost seems like it has to be related to that. And maybe the the truth the truth is in the middle, you know. It's not just revenge. Right. It's not as far gone as the show portrayed it. But maybe they they obviously were going down this rabbit hole. Right. And they obviously killed her. And so maybe the the actual truth is somewhere out there in the middle. So last question that I have for you is in your viewing of the show, do you think specifically that Dan and Ron truly believed all the things that they did and that they were the one true prophet and all of this? Or do you think that they hid behind that for their own, like, selfish gains or whims? Like, was it a power play for them? I think, at least in the show, I think they they both really believed it. But I feel like religion can uh, kind of get in your brain like that and, and tweak things. Like... That, like, say when Ron starts getting revelations that he he needs to remove Brenda and her baby and all these other people, maybe he knows that it's not really God, and he's he, but people will believe him that he, if he says it is, and then whenever someone else... Like, you say Onias, a enough. Yeah, says, like, this is the word of God, and then he's like, yeah, this is definitely the word of God. Like, I think he's far gone enough to believe it, even though he also knows he, it's what he wants. And then he's like justified in carrying out these because he's convinced himself it's the will of god yeah so i think it's kind of both at least the way it's portrayed in the show okay yeah so it was uh definitely an interesting show like i said it was tension heavy every episode every night or every every day i guess i would i would think about the night before and the episode we watched and be so curious to see where it went and then it would ratchet up the tension all over again and it and i had told you i'd worried about when it got to the end that it wouldn't deliver quite right um but i feel like it did it, mm-hmm. it kept the tension up the whole time there was that whole that's really the towards the end is really whenever Pyrie, the detective started going you know losing his faith and everything and that was a whole different issue that made it so compelling to watch but um the entire time was uh, it was just so well done um i thought it looked pretty good but i thought it was it exceeded my expectations for a show what about you yeah, I think so. I think I went in knowing because um, I had started reading the book. Yeah, um, that there would like there would be a, a heavy part of it that would or not a heavy part, but like the, there would be a part of it that went heavy into church history, mm-hmm. and that that would be like a big part of it. Or if they were like true to the book, that it would play a big role in it. Yeah. Um, I don't think you went in with that idea at all. Like, I think I didn't know where it was going to go. Like, yeah. I think you were just like, "Oh yeah, it's a mur- like it's a murder mystery, and it's around Mor- Mormon-, Mormon adjacent, yeah, yeah Mormon adjacent, and whatever." But I don't think that you probably were like, "Oh wow, we're going to like have a history lesson with this too." Yeah, and I think there were times where it was like a little hard to to parse out all of the things and be like, "Okay, wait, what? What did?" joseph smith believe or what did he mm-hmm. say or whatever so i guess that would be my uh like 
like people should watch the show with the caveat of knowing yeah. that like it is not just like it is not just a murder mystery. Right. Like it is very much about like the origins of the Mormon faith mm. and how people have perverted that. And um, and so you should go into the show knowing knowing that that it's not just like a typical murder mystery yeah some people might not like that they may just like want the whodunit i certainly uh certainly don't think any mormons would like it i really really do not think that they would like yeah. this i'd be so curious if, if this would be someone's like their their moment of reckoning where they're like oh man this is what causes them to consider their faith if they if they watched it you know i think that if you are a active believing Mormon. Um, I think the Mormon church does a really well, like good job of, of teaching Mormons, like what anti-Mormon literature and Mm. like content is that they would just sort of write it off as like, Oh, this is another thing. Like these are all lies or whatever. Mm. I think that the things that cause Mormons to like, reevaluate their faith or have doubt is like when they have personal experiences in their life that don't necessarily align with like the teachings of the church or they start to learn like true truth of the church like in in verifiable sources i think that's when it begins to sort of crumble for them but i think that they would they probably wouldn't watch the show in the first place yeah um, and then I think if they did, they would just like maybe watch part of it and just be like, so, like this is a Oh, this is a crock of shit. Right. You know, like, but Andrew Garfield, what a charming fellow. Yeah. After this, I started watching the social network and you were like, he looks so young. Uh, it was fun to see him in that, uh, amazing Spider-Man showed up on oh Netflix. Oh so yeah. I started watching that and I was like, man, I'm just into Andrew Garfield right now. He's just so fucking good. And that like, that Spider-Man is not, um my like it's not great that's it's not my like spider-man universe but right he's charming as fuck. hashtag tom holland hell yeah number one all the way like yeah. but um but he was very charming in the multiverse is that what it is oh yeah the, yeah the far from home yeah far from home or he, no way home fuck no way home i really did it this time i really forgot <laughs> he was extremely charming yeah that, so yeah he was even yeah even toby mcguire was charming in that one yeah uh, and he's kind of a dick in real life it seems so there you go i know that's um, another story for another day i know right but it's yeah. fun well um you can yeah uh let me start over there i guess you don't usually plug anything on the show. I, I guess you don't really want to plug any social media. Uh, yeah, no, I, I prefer to keep that. Sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you uh, are a great guest, and I always love having you on the show. So thank you for suggesting this and being on the show while, while Brent was unable to. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if he's, I'd, I'd definitely say he has not watched the show yet. I'm not sure if he'll actually listen to this episode. But we're listening, or we're, we're talking for you, buddy. Well, I would soon. hope he would listen Maybe to it. Maybe eventually, but it's spoilers, man. Spoiler. I don't know. He might. Not. I don't think he's going to watch the show. This doesn't sound like anything Brent would ever watch. No, I don't know. They watch like murder mystery stuff. That's so, true. Crime stuff. I bet they would be into it. And like just the acting alone, I would I would really suggest this. I mean, hopefully people had watched it before listening to this as well. But 
Uh, it's a damn good well, show. Well, and hopefully, like, we did a good enough job of, like, talking about elements of the show. Who that knows? sounds interesting. I feel like we went, we went, like, far you know, left you there gotta, for a little while. You gotta go all over the place, though, I feel yeah. like, sometimes. And it's a good discussion. I always enjoy you having, having you on the show, so. I mean, these are sort of the discussions we have in, Under, in real, real life, yeah. right? Just like, record them, might as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, as usual, you can rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can contact us. All the info is in the show notes, uh, like usual and please tell your friends so we get more listeners and uh, hopefully other people will find us and enjoy us as well so amanda thank you for joining me on the show today thank you for having me and whenever allison and i start our podcast i hope you will plug it oh man i bet it's gonna it's just i don't have to uh <laughs> you i'll do it for one week you'll get more listeners than us and you'll leave us in the dust you'll get sponsors you won't care anymore and then i'll be like do you want to come on my podcast and i'll be like yeah i do can I talk about mine? No. <laughs> Nobody likes it. That's the way I like to talk about it. Well, uh, that was a blast. Hopefully, Brent will be back next week. We will see. But in the meantime, uh, we had a good time today talking about this. So we'll see what comes up in the following weeks. I know we're going to have more guests. We have other things lined up. We just got to figure them out with Brent and, uh, and all that. So, buddy, get better so we can get you back on the show and have a good time. And uh, Amanda can go off and do her own thing and make a better podcast. Than like take naps for two and a half hours oh, yeah. while you guys are recording. Hell yeah. yeah. That's the way you really like it. Yeah. Well, uh, until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Amanda. And let's talk later. Y'all ready for this? Hi, honey. Hi. Welcome to the show. It hasn't started yet. Okay, I was going to say, are you recording this? I'm recording. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. You missed all of our songs? Well, no. It's the fact that I recorded over the thing I tried to record earlier with you singing, and I like big butts. Oh, well. Maybe it'll appear sometime later on. I really hope so. (laughs) Because it's really what fits this comic. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, This is just outtakes, getting to a sink where just having fun. Just trying to loosen up. It's late. It's 930 on a Sunday night. You know what? It it wouldn't be us if we weren't procrastinating. You know, that's true. Procrastination. Let's talk about that. Uh, Next week. As we sit in this room that we have. (laughs) Not finished? Refused to unpack. Listen. Not refused. We're working. I'm in the progress of it. I like to pretend it doesn't exist. I'm just like, the door is closed. Mm-hmm. Everything else in the house is very neat and clean. That how is we true. like it. And then you just shove everything in like Monica's closet. It's, I was going to say, it's your, it's your Monica's closet. Nobody exactly. open that door. <laughs> Everybody needs a Monica's closet. Yeah. Although ours is a room. We have two of them. <laughs> well, that's your fault. <laughs> the other room was fine. It was beautiful. But I needed ready. space and for then this one. Everything over I there. know I needed space to organize this one. And I had to move some stuff from this one to that one. And that's not my fault, really. Whose fault is it, Stephen? It's not your fault. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm just saying it's no one's fault. It just happened. I'm just mad at the situation. Yeah. You know? It is what it is. What's the situation just that? We had a fire. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember? I do. It was almost a year ago. Oh. I know. That's wild. It's almost the anniversary. Crazy. I'm thinking that next time Mm -hmm. I go on a flight to Dallas, which is not this upcoming week, but next. But soon. Mm -hmm. Literally, 
around the exact wow. same time. I mean, it was period. market time. Is that right? I'm gonna need you to not call it with bad news. I'm not vacuuming or doing laundry that day. I don't trust it anymore. Yeah. Wow. All the all that's how I'll mark the occasion is not doing anything and just vigilantly protecting our house. From <laughs> you fires. just walk around smelling things. <laughs> yeah. Are you on fire? Are you on fire? <laughs> Damn straight, you're not. <laughs> you're not on fire. Fucking okay. did my job. We made it a year. <laughs> and then you can call our insurance company and be like, "Remember when you called us in the middle of mm-hmm. this when we didn't even like have our house back?" And you're like, "Are you taking precautions to make sure your house doesn't light on fire like, again?" Yes, yes, we are. While we're not living there, thanks. Of course. Thanks did for the best. reminder. Man, yeah, I forgot about that. What jerks? Oh, yeah. Gonna rub it in, guys. Haven't heard from mom since about it. I know. That's all right. You know, sometimes things in life happen and then you adjust to it. I mean, things are much better personally this year than they were last year. Exactly. The world, it's another story. The world's great. I think it's fine. I think everything's going fine. I think it's great. I don't think it's, I mean, it's not great that it hit 100 degrees this early in the year, you know, in June. But um, other than that, and the fact that we can't really go outside, totally fine. Did you put your feet in mom and dad's pool? No. It's literally like a bath. Oh, yeah. There's no way around. There's not even heating it right now. It's just well, how it is. Yeah. It's just like a bath, which is like, I like it. It's mm-hmm. preferable. But when it's like 100 degrees outside, you're like, oh, well, it's not quite relaxing wanna, or like refreshing. Yeah. You want you want that coldness to yeah. splash you back to life. But you know what? It's just like middle of June. We still have like three months of summer. Oh, man. To just get Maybe even, even more. hotter. Oh, it's super cool. Super hot, huh? <laughs> Just love living in Houston. <laughs> How about we do? We sync with a, a classic Simpsons Nelson. Ha <laughs> ha. Is that okay? It's not because you did it. It's because I reminded myself of it when I tried to do your laugh. How about that? Okay, we can do that. that okay. Okay. Just so we can, you know, get through the show and everything. And time of the manner. Hey, hey. Like that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah. It's weird with that, Brett. Yeah. This is. He always gets. He always jokes about being confused about the counting up or down, but it really is when you get to the moment, you kind of do freeze and you're like, wait, which is better and which do I do normally? Well, what do you want? Three, two, one? Or one, two, three? Is that what That's you That's what meaning? I'm saying, yeah. Which one do you want? I think, okay, so this is like also, oh, I wow. think it's three, two, one. Okay. But also, normally? is it three, two, one, and then that? Oh, this is like a... Rock, paper, scissors right, yeah. kind of? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it then go or is it on three kind of thing? I would think it would be three, two, one, sync word. Yeah, I think that's okay. right. We're already okay. overthinking it. It's great. Absolutely. We're off that's to a fine. great start. It's cool. What's our sync word? Ha ha. You okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So I'll count down from three. We'll say ha ha together on one. No, after one. Well, but it's after one. But how am I supposed to say that? Anyway, we're, th- we're thinking it again. Okay. <laughs> three, two, one. Ha ha. Bye. Oh, yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Mosquitoes, leave me alone. L P A S.